Good afternoon, everyone. How are you? How are you guys doing? What is going on? Uh, welcome to episode eleven of Merchants of Novigrad, a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss everything Gwent. Today with me are my two trusty co-hosts, Baby Joseph, commonly known as BJ, and Villa, who is apparently not lost. And as you guys can see, today we have a very special guest, the Potato Faction Ambassador and the Thick Gravy Aficionado, the one and only Crozer. How are you guys doing? What's going on? Doing well, doing well. I'm good. Uh, before we actually begin, a few words to our viewers. Guys, if you have any questions, you can ask them in chat. My dear friend BJ has been charged with the task of collecting the more interesting ones. And we're going to try to answer them as we go. Also, if you want to stay in touch off stream, you can follow us on Twitter at Novigrad Podcast. And if YouTube or Spotify are the places where you, you, where you would rather watch or listen to the episode, uh, the show is going to be uploaded onto these two platforms a few hours after the live stream. So with that being said, and without further ado, let's hop into the first segment. What have you been up to? What's going on, guys? Let's oh, start wow. with Crozier. Yeah, let's start with Crozier. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, maybe some of the viewers might be thinking, Crozier, who is this guy? Hasn't been streaming too much lately. Do we even know him? Well, uh, I was a very, very busy potato. Uh, I've been not just busy with work, but now also with uh, finishing up my master's thesis. I'm actually just really starting out with it lately, uh, getting all the structures together, preparing the topic. It's 60 to 70 pages I have to write on academic level. And with work on top of that, it's not as much time as I would love to have for Gwent and for streaming, but uh, I'm still uh, playing as much as I can. I almost made... Uh, you know, the, it's met the goals that I set for myself last uh, season, and this season I hope it's uh, even better. Uh, and I, I will stream more and everything, but right now I'm, I'm a busy potato. Um, you said something about the uh, master thesis. Uh, anything you can leak? Maybe maybe the, the topic of thesis? <laughs> uh yeah i wish i could make it gwent related but uh while it's still yeah. nerdy it's, it's not it's not gwent related it's uh the title is uh, the rise of the cinematic universe um it's uh flashy on purpose because it is wow. about all this marvel uh disney stuff but also about uh, serialization of um, fictional worlds in general and not just serialization but like the excessive serialization that you have not just a trilogy anymore of like star wars but now um, they announced that they want to make a Star Wars anime, uh, cinematic universe as well, similar to Marvel. Um, and, you know, everything has seven TV shows attached to it. And uh, in this thesis, I explain why that is the case and how we got there and what was different before, what has changed. Lots of things to talk about. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I didn't actually know, but um, I can only add that not too long ago, I saw a short uh, documentary about the history of cinema and how... Jacksonville, Florida, almost became the capital of cinema in the U.S. instead of Hollywood. And that was something really interesting to see. Well, and what about you guys, BJ Villa? Yeah, I mean, I want to take this moment to apologize to the Gwent community for what happened last season. Because last season, I've been prodding the concept of playing triple scenario decks. And triple siege got picked up very quickly, and more and more people started getting frustrated when losing to these decks. I know one person in particular um, that hasn't had a really rough time. His name is Semper. Semper, if you're watching, I'm sorry, man, that you had to lose against Weevil playing Triple Siege. So I would like to 
to use this moment to officially announce that I'm only playing at school decks now. Um, I removed Renew from my triple scenario decks, and I only play scenario twice now. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I've been doing all right now. I've been doing all right. And uh, Villa, what about you? Because I, I think you must be quite tired of people uh, comparing you to, to Siri from the Netflix show. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm not sure whether I should be flattered or concerned that I'm being compared to a female when I'm a man, but... Other than that, I'm I'm doing good. I uh, I've been going and playing Gwent. I just slightly missed out on on the qualifiers, but other than that, I'm doing good. I'm helping fellow DRS teammates prepare right now. Yeah, life's good. No complaints. And Crozer, you said that you have very little time for anything else other than um, work and masters, but you are still doing some D and D sessions. How oh, is that I, going? Yeah. It's it's going really well. I mean, it's a it's a commitment I made prior to realizing how busy I'll be, and uh, I'll keep my end of the bargain. But it's not even a bad thing because it helps me get off the stress sometimes. It's just uh, you know, um, masterfully uh, prepared and 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 acted out by Green Cricket with. Uh, I mean, it's the first time I have an online uh, dungeon master, but um, I I like I'm I'm always amazed how how he makes it happen over across the distance and, and so makes it feel uh, like a proper D&D session. And I, I almost always feel like I'm, I'm sad. I don't see as many potatoes there as I would like. But the ones that are there, I, I see they're having a good time. And I'm glad that we uh, that I can at least do that while, while I'm on a semi hiatus. And we can we can go on and, and get arrested because I do silly stuff in the city. <laughs> and then we have to do a jailbreak again. That's what's up next. Yeah, it feels yeah, like a nice mental getaway, right? You're busy with all these things yeah. in real life, and then, you know, for a couple of hours every week, every other week, you can play some D and D with friends and just relax. Mm -hmm. And BJ yeah. Villa, do you actually have any experience with games like that? Have you ever played no, D and D? I've never played no. it. I watched the I watched the D and D uh, from uh, Team Fortress a little bit, but I don't think it's my my thing, my my kind of uh, getaway. So yeah, I've never played it, and not really into watching it. Um, yeah, I have no clue what's going on. I've like watched. It feels like it, it feels like, like you guys yeah. are simply too young to know what D and D is. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. I know what it is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but to be fair, I've never played D and D, but I was a huge Warhammer fan back in the day. I'm not sure if anyone um here or in chat has ever played Warhammer, which is which is a fantasy role play game as well. But yeah, when I was a teenager, I was really into the Warhammer universe. And that's that's how I started getting into fantasy, by the way. Mm. So yeah, it's very similar yeah. to D&D. Like the whole concept is the same, just rules are different and the universe is different. So so how long is it going on, Crozier? Uh, the D&D campaign? Yeah. Long, has it been going on or how long is one episode? Um, the campaign as a whole. Been, yeah. The, so we are on... I'll get on wrong with a line here. Like episode seven eight nine something like that uh it's gonna go a while longer uh, maybe for frame of reference usually the maximum maximum character level is level 20 and i believe we're level five or six right now oh, so wow. we're still in the beginning um we also do recaps every session um and like oftentimes like large parts of the episode are self-contained so it's not like you can't join into the fun just because we've been busy with the campaign still it's um, mm -hmm. gonna go on for a while still, so reason to get invested, and it's uh, it's um, not too late 
to jump on the train, so to speak. So how do you keep having fun at it? Because it's so long. Is it? Yeah. Is is there is there a point where you think, oh, it's been dragging uh, yeah. on for for so long? I'm tired of this campaign. I would like to play something different. Um, we had a different campaign before, and I never really felt that way because I like my character. I was a uh, before the campaign. We actually played a Witcher, um, D and D campaign in the Witcher world, and I was a Skelliger potato farmer. <laughs> and uh, I was a barbarian who was often uh, doing more silly things than, than maybe the group would have liked him to do. <laughs> and and uh, who always bravely charged into death. But somehow he almost made it out and epic things happened. And I don't know, for me, it's like the scenarios, the situations that come to, come to be in D&D. If you're not familiar with the game, um, basically everything can happen because you have your character and the game takes place uh, to a large extent in your imagination and then anytime you have to make a decision if something succeeds or not it's a dice roll that decides so i can say hey i want to jump on onto this tree and i want to uh i don't know drop my pants or something and say i'm the king of the world and i can do that and then maybe it's going to impress people and if i want to check if that impresses people i have to roll the dice and depends uh, on my stats if that's successful or not uh connect with the dice roll and since that random element to it always Spices up the decision making of the players. Players like I don't know. For me, it's never ending. I don't. I don't mind if it goes on forever. That's nice to hear. Very specific example, I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it's a good example. Mm-hmm. It shows you that RNG is not always bad, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it can it can cause some interesting things happening, and it can have some interesting results. Mm-hmm. And speaking of results. Grinding last season, Villa, now that it matters, because we, we know that you were not happy with the state of the game a couple of months ago, where you play ranked, you play pro, and it didn't matter at all. So how does it feel now, where you know you can qualify for something? Actually feels a lot better. It's like It feels like I'm not wasting all these hours just to stay on pro. Rather, now I have even more motivation to push higher up in the ranks, and more reason to since I do want to make it, so it, it feels great. Uh, it's it, it's like every game matters again. It's not like half the time on, I'm on autopilot or some something like that. I'm actually focusing on every game I play, which is refreshing. Yeah, I'm sure you will be the first TRS member qualifying for a Grand Open. <laughs> Those are big words, and your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, speaking of qualifying, because Crosser, you missed it, right? Just just by a few plays, I think you you were close enough. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I the cutoff was at uh, ten thousand sixty or something, sixty one, and so uh, it was a Monday that basically was the last day of playing. Until Monday, I made it to ten k, and then I had to climb like sixty mmr. But um, I was at a seminar from work all day. I, I only came back at like I went in the morning. I came back at half past seven. And then uh, I had I basically tried the whole night to climb, and I made it to two, four, five or something like fifteen mmr off. Uh, and then it just I just couldn't climb anymore. Couldn't get it up. Just five hours of trying to uh, get anywhere up and down. And then I was for the first time doing a grind like this. I had to actually resign. I had to be like, nope, uh, not resign to concede. Uh, I had to say like, nope, it's not happening this time. But next time, hopefully. Things are going to be different. Start the grind a bit earlier. No 
bad timing on the seminars and then yeah because i think that um jess actually ended on top no pun intended did she? <laughs> yeah, I think. I mean, you said that you couldn't get it up for five hours, so I oh. imagine so. <laughs> I, I think she ended a little bit higher on the ladder than you did. <laughs> That's so good. No, let, 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 I think she could answer. I don't. I don't want I'm to not know. watching chat. It's, it's, it's already complicated enough. Show. She's laughing. She's laughing. laughing. That's she, a, that's she, she wants this doing. to be the reality. <laughs> I think we are gonna follow up on on, the, on this topic next episode. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no leaks, by the way. But is it actually a race between you two because you are both very um, competitively oriented? Is it like every month where you think, okay, I wanna be <laughs> on a higher position on the ladder than she is? Hmm. I mean, funnily enough, the game still thinks I'm African. Uh, not sure if anyone knows this, but when I went got into ProLeader, I was in Namibia at the time. So on plaguewent.com, I've got the Namibian flag next to my account. And that oh, also yeah. means that the game always puts me into the African uh, ranking uh, leaderboard. And uh, so I can always compare, am I number one, two, three, four, five, Africa? And of course, <laughs> Jess also tries to get that high. Uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, not really um, super like mad competitive it's uh, it, it's reason to like uh tease each other though sometimes yeah. towards the end of the season. so it's not as way. competitive as the race between lionheart and tia beastie i mean uh, that race is already over come on <laughs> <laughs> what are we even talking about bj i mean was it even a race <laughs> it was not it was a bold promise bold challenge made by lionheart that never came anywhere near being true. Yeah. No but guys, um, Gwent and the current patch, have you played? I, I know the BJ has played a little bit on stream and he already has yes. some nice experience with uh, with the 100 point swings. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Vilek, Crozer, yeah. have, you, have you been playing Gwent recently, the last couple of days? Yeah, I have. Uh, I had, uh, not yesterday and the day before, but in the early days of the patch, I... Uh, played around a bit, uh, tried some things out. And so what, what have you been trying out then? I was trying to make uh, Lippy work because he got a two-point buff. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, not yeah. another one. <laughs> no, no, I'm, not no, sure, no, I'm not sure if you watched that episode, Crozer, but uh, a couple of weeks ago we had Freddy and Panda on the show and, and Freddy said that every single patch he hopes that uh, Lippy is going to be good and every single patch he's <laughs> trying to do something with it. I mean, I was, I, I don't know, I, he got a two-point a two buff, Burner got a two-provision buff, Mokwa got a provision buff, so I was like, come on, there's like five points in there that weren't, weren't there before, it's got to be good now. And no, no, it's don't not try good. Kids, don't try it at home, don't not work. <laughs> <laughs> that actually motivates me to try it. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, exactly yeah. like with that discard talk we had before the show, right? CTPR says we don't want this card to be an actual archetype, maybe at all. And then people are like, screw this, I'm gonna make a discard deck. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> You're welcome to try. Uh, I think when Lippy was still uh, peak went gameplay, uh, I won the, one of my highest Skellige scores ever. So, but oh, wow. um, I'm, I'm somewhat of a degenerate myself, so I, I'm not sure how much I should say here without causing any angry I mean, looks. You're, you're in a safe space here, man, with me. 
Yeah, but, chat said new guys, you're not gonna judge. Yeah, but aren't you always saying that you are only only playing um, the generic to to show people how bad it is? And how unethical it is? I think that's the theme of your yeah. stream sometimes. Yes, definitely. <laughs> it has no, that, you uh, know, learning experience. Raising awareness. Yeah, ra so, exactly, raising awareness. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it's actually... Um, it's actually not even 100% uh, just joking, like not even just excuse, because even though I do kind of secretly enjoy some of this degeneracy, uh, I do wholeheartedly believe if you want to get good against stuff like that, it was the same with when, when artifacts were all over the place with um, you know early homecoming patches. If you want to get good at beating this degeneracy, you should play it yourself for like a couple of games to see where it loses, you know? Like when do you lose when you're playing degeneracy and see what your opponent's doing to beat you? That's what you got to do when you meet them next time, you know? Sometimes it's, I mean, unless it's just, do I have the bomb fever in hand or not? You know, of course, if it's just a, mm -hmm. like a binary question like that, it's just lame. But if it's really about, you know, how do I beat this no unit deck, then playing it yourself for a while, it's going to show you the way. I mean, that's pretty much with, if you want to be a pro rank player, you have to play all the factions. Yeah. So the, 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 the idea behind that is, is pretty much the same when it comes to that, too. Yeah, of course, of course. And you are totally not secretly taking a swing at me. <laughs> <laughs> Playing one faction all the time. <laughs> yeah, why is Mirk always complaining about other factions? Like, oh, how do I beat these decks? <laughs> yeah, I, should have, I probably should have played them, right? Yeah. That would be the way to, to figure out how to beat them. Yeah, uh, but anyway, guys, anyway, overall opinion on the patch, because uh, we have a lot of things to cover. Oh, boy. So let's start with your overall take on, on how it went down. Uh, how many cards got changed? Over 100, I think. Hmm. I didn't so, even realize. Yeah, it was a pretty sizable I patch. I don't know the number. Yeah, I think I, I, I think I saw it on Gwen.1. You have a nice list of everything that got like, changed, and I think it's over 100 cards. That's impressive, yeah. Yeah, so overall opinion on, 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 the, on the patch so far. I mean, Wellboro of the Sea, man. Woo! Yeah, it is It Oof. is one of the main points today. It, we, we have it on our question, question list. Yeah. But overall... Boatfist boat is there. <laughs> overall, I think there are some really interesting buffs and some really interesting nerves um i mean the rework on wild hunt for example um right. yeah <laughs> one <laughs> thing that i did not really understand when it comes to uh, the wild hunt cards is they rework them but i don't really see any synergies i don't really see the theme being being synergized in any way it's like you have these cards that our rework now have different abilities, but they just don't feel like they are part of anything. No, it's just and then for example, like neutral, it just got the it just got the old ability from Emirate. Like, come on. I mean, honestly, if you wanna say we rework two cards to swap their abilities, we smart. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like maybe that, maybe that will keep people quiet for a while, you know. But mm -hmm. it's just very disappointing uh, that kind of rework. I was really hoping some synergy with like um, a, a certain leader ability, for example. And Crozer, your take? Um, you know, well, like, um, in, in very general terms, because we have a very long list of questions yeah. when we're going to talk about specific yeah. things. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll try to keep it general. Uh, I think I didn't mind. Um, I, I think the only thing I mind right now, like very, very much, is um, the way Skellige has been neglected. But besides that, um, I'm willing to give it a chance, how, like, like how it plays out, because I also saw some people uh, thought buffs nerfs weren't extreme enough. And I always think a few provision changes can do a whole lot already, actually. Um, and the meta has already changed um, substantially, as far as I can tell, with one big newcomer that we'll talk about later, I assume. Um, I, I think the other thing that's uh, worrying me, though, are some trends uh, with crazy cards getting changed um, to less crazy cards and the, the, the rework of Wild Hunt. Um, I would also say something about that later when we get to that. Topic. Oh, yeah, that, that is also a topic. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to lie, guys. I spent quite a lot of time just getting the questions right because I thought this is the first opportunity on this show where we actually have something to talk about. We always complain about not having enough Gwent-related topics on the show because there is no patch or there's no expansion or things are stale. So this time around, we have a massive patch, things we mm. can discuss. Mm -hmm. and that feels great. Um, mm -hmm. But what I want to ask is, how do you feel about their, and by their, I mean, the developer's approach to spread out the expansions even more? Because we already knew that we are not going to get four expansions this year, right? And I think Slama said... Uh, during the stream that the first expansion even though they have already seen it partially is delayed by quite a significant margin do you think it's the right move to make fewer expansions i think it's good yeah uh gives them more time to focus on the other expansions actually polish them out before releasing them uh also gives them time to uh, focus on the game itself rather than going on a cycle of every three months it's an expansion they don't really have a time to look at the game itself where it is before releasing an expansion so overall i think this is very positive yeah, crosser yeah, bj I pretty, much, pretty much agree like i mean at least they should be able to finish the premiums now before time um but yeah i think overall it's it's better because yeah more time to to think about certain abilities for cards instead of rushing them for example um, I think it's a good thing. Like I, do, I don't mind really as long as it's, as the game is entertaining for me to play. I don't mind waiting for an expansion a little bit longer. Uh, they can yeah, act I... actually start having a, a, a reveal campaign again, uh, which they did not last time. Uh, now they have more time for that as well. So yeah, I think overall it's pretty positive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, th I think I also preferred the reveal campaigns a bit. I mean, as a content creator, it gave me the chance to. Uh, give some thought to how am I going to present this card and everything and hype people up every day. I like that a bit more, I think, uh, than the surprise thing. In general, uh, I believe that four expansions was a bit too much. Uh, I can also imagine the workload must have been really, really high on, on GDPR there um, in a way that makes them rush things unnecessarily. And I would just like to see one expansion coming out, just one, where we have all the premiums and everything's fine. And, uh, and yeah. there's always going to be little bugs and imbalances, but you know, just like a slight bit more polished than we are used to. I think I would like to see three expansions for this year, like instead of every three months, maybe every four months. And, you know, that's going to help already. I think if it's less than that, only every six months in an expansion, that I'm not sure if that would be um, 
frequent enough to keep people excited. And uh, they would have to make their regular updates interesting. So you don't stop playing halfway through because there's no new stuff to play with. I think that Villa raised a very important point that because we had four four expansions in a year, they never had the time to look at cards that don't see any play. It was always pumping out new content instead of actually focusing, okay, this is what is in the game right now. How do we make it playable? How do we make people want to play these cards? And I think this patch is probably one of the very few in the last 12 months where we actually see them addressing that issue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like in general, they did not do anything. So now it's, it's, it's really nice. They should try to do this like more often, like in between expansions, they should do this like every month, every new season. Mm. I mean, they did um, change their policy on full mill value. So I assume that's one of the reasons because they don't want to feel bad about changing existing cards. And now they hopefully feel a bit more liberal about, you know, mm. what, what the abilities are and, and they're going to help out underused cards a bit, change things around. I think it's a good thing. Yeah, I absolutely don't mind uh, the full mill value not being there anymore. It may be a little bit disappointing for a newer player, but you know, for us, for people who have played this game for so many hours, it's it's completely fine. Gwen is yeah. uh, already quite generous as a game. Yeah, I think also not giving full mill value kind of suggests that we are going to get a lot of changes in the future. I think this is something they're preparing for by not giving us full mill value. They're, they're telling us like, hey, stuff's going to change. Um, mm. So I'm, I'm excited personally. Though they did say that this is the last of the sizable patches. True. So moving forward, the patches are going to be smaller. So do mm. we think they're going to be smaller but filled with major changes i have no idea perhaps oh. i mean i i also i'm not sure the way i remember it he said that for now for the foreseeable future this is one of the bigger ones i do hope that they keep this option open to doing bigger balance patches in between uh expansions um Hopefully, the way I interpret it, maybe he just meant now, uh, leading up to the uh, expansion that's going to come out eventually in a few months. Uh, it's only going to be major, uh, minor things. And I also think they were teasing on some other bigger changes to some archetypes. Uh, I think we're going to get into that later as well when we talk about the reworks. Um, so yeah, I, I personally think bigger change and braver, bolder change is not a bad thing. I, I, I uh, used to play Dota a lot before I went to Gwent, and they have massive patches like when like this last Gwent patch seems small compared to Dota. i know i mean they have valve as a developer and cpr as a small indie company i know it can't really compare here but uh it's uh like what they change sometimes about their game it's, and then then Gwent is really just sweet summer child compared to that oh okay yeah speaking of changes though First, I want to follow up on what you said, that they hinted that some cards and some archetypes might be changed or added to the game. One example thereof is uh, False Siri, right? Because we saw the new ability and we thought, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> Why is that ability even there? That boosting the agent and then, you know, wink, wink, notch, notch. Slama said, you know, it's going to be useful in the future. I mean, that's just an excuse, I feel like. Like... Putting a boost or like a damage on the, on the card instead of 
uh, the old ability that was very simple design in my opinion. Like, come on, could have thought more about that. Yeah, we're gonna talk about it more later, I think. But now, now I want to get into the juicy stuff. The biggest offenders, guys. Do you feel like CDPR acted aggressively enough? Because there was a lot of cards that people thought this should be nuked off the face of the earth. <laughs> And like they changed one provisions. <laughs> yeah. And they did not touch scenarios at all, right? I no. mean, they, they ditched the Pesiflora, some of them, but... Some of them got a slight provision nerf. Well, maybe uh, a slight provision nerf, no. And... But, sorry. Yeah, but that, that's it, right? They, they, they nerfed a couple of cards like Morale and like the Cobras by provision, but I don't, I don't mind, really. I think... You can try this first, and if it's not enough, you then you can try more um, drastically to change yeah. them. I think we can open with the card that everyone wanted to see changed. And that's oh. Rodea. Rodea. <laughs> Do you think that two yeah. provisions is enough of a, of a nerf? I mean, I have not seen it that much, to be fair. Um, I think, I think the two provision nerf is enough, considering the fact that the decks that Rodea was played in, those leader abilities also got the provision uh, provision decrease. Uh, mm. That that impact. Uh, if you put all that together, I think that impacts enough to make Rodea tamed mm -hmm. in a sense. I I also think uh, if you just look at this change, you might think, well, I'm gonna still put this into my pincer maneuver deck, but then you look at pincer maneuver and like you try to put cards in, but the game says the deck provision limit has been met. Uh, no matter what you do, yeah, it's like uh, it's it, it it really does make a difference. Uh, like looking at whole decks, like Willis said, or just at the individual card. And I mean, the dream would be that this card isn't completely killed, but just played in uh, different decks that aren't as strong on themselves as the old ones used to be. Um, so you know, you can still enjoy playing this card, uh, just not in every single deck. And I think that mission has been achieved. So as far as I can tell, yeah, because. Mm -hmm. You guys were talking about Pinsir, obviously got nerfed, we, don't, we are going to talk about it later, but uh, Rodea was also popular in some Novgaard decks that played Morale King Cobra, and now if you want to play these three cards, you are looking also at a five provision, a four provision nerf, so you need to find four provisions somewhere. Uh, do we actually imagine? think that Morale was nerfed enough? Because that's one provision. Yeah. I mean, he's still being played in... Oh yeah, he's, he he is being played. It's not like Rodea that kind of disappeared for a while, and and hopefully she's gonna stay in, in the abyss of cards that are not being played that often. But Marau is still a staple in Nilfgaard Poison. Yeah, and it's funny, right? Because they 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 made it at, uh, they made Gaunter up to par with Morale. But the thing is, Morale has so much more support to make the most uh, value out of the card compared to Gaunter. Maybe. Morale should be in provision wise a little bit higher than Gaunter because mm. it has that kind of support, you know. So I think it's the the, the nerf was not enough in, in this in that case. Yeah, because uh, Gaunter, the only synergy the card actually has is um, Voltest. No, not even anymore. Voltest only. Uh, oh right, only in our cards. So not even. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So it, it doesn't, doesn't really have any support anymore oh. unless you oh. play one of the one of the. Uh, artifacts that gives you zeal, which is yeah, not exactly. really a smart thing to do, I think. Oh. It's not worth mm -hmm. it at all. Exactly. Uh, I think Mara could live with another provision nerf, I think. Yeah, maybe so, make it 11. Yeah. Well, 
Villa just because so we don't see it in every deck. Cause... Yeah, because I don't. I've seen I've seen people trying to play soldiers. I've seen people trying to play assimilate, and they still smash morale into that deck because the value is just always there. You need morale. You need fangs of the empire, and in two cards you have a really really good value. Or you can just play. Uh, you know, full on assimilate. You can play uh, rod tosser, right? You are always gonna mm -hmm. poison something. Mm -hmm. And oh my god, look, he's an agent. You can buff him with false theory. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Oh, New god. synergies okay, discovered, guys. <laughs> oh boy, you play morale, then you play tackle decision on false theory and boost it so nobody can kill it. Uh... Five bad plays. Yeah, <laughs> and you even play around Geralt. Holy shit. <laughs> Uh, new to your one deck. Just make him Nilfgaard already. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the synergies are there. Sometimes more more or less meme synergies, but they are always there. This card is always going to see value. And you cannot really play around it. I think yeah. we already talked about it um the last podcast, right? That regardless of what you do, you cannot, you know, lock or kill morale and purify mm -hmm. the card poison at the same time it's yeah, simply not possible <laughs> yeah, you just slam down defender preferably one with many scarabs attached yeah. to it and then uh you might have a chance but then of course funny thing is morale decks also like to use lambert in case someone is naive enough to think scarabs can save him yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. they often play vincent so if you play a regular defender they just got vincent oh, yeah. that defender and oh wow you know, yeah and then Mar Morale is still gonna kill that poison anyway because it's an order. Mm -hmm. So no, regardless of what way you look at it, you are always fucked. Yeah. Or you slam down lead ability with one purify and one zap or something. I don't know. Oh yeah, it's yeah. Like, You'd have to spend really your leader ability. That is true. It's really difficult. And um, speaking of fury cards, because King Cobra got nerfed one provision, I think it's I think it's enough. I don't think that's fine. Yeah. They they uh, should do anything else with the card. It's already three power, one armor, five provisions. I, th I think it's okay. Even though I'm not a huge fan of poison being available for everyone, like poison neutral cards, it's not really my jam. I would say. But there's one card that didn't get nerfed. It didn't get changed in any capacity, and I think it it is kind of surprising. And that's obviously Mada. Because she's still being played. Mother Joseph. Mother Joseph. Um, <laughs> she's still 6 for 9. Do you guys think it's fair? Do you think the, the provisions maybe should have gone up or the power should have gone down? I mean, I think the card is fine. It's I've never really complained about the card. It's It makes your deck more consistent. Yeah, um, but it's about the disparity between what you get if you play her and what your opponent gets. Your opponent is yeah. likely going to get 4 points and you get your scenario. Yeah. For instance, of course, it's not always scenario. Sometimes it's you know oak, for instance, which is also a lot of points. I so mean, the disparity between what you draw and what your opponent draws is is way more than these um, three points between her value and her provision cost. Yeah, I wouldn't have minded seeing it get like maybe a point max yeah. two less to just make her oh, self like more or less impressive uh, or less impactful. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I, make it four base power again. Yeah, I think four or five. Uh, I think you shouldn't yeah. touch the provision because right now Royal Decree is ten provision, right? And this is uh, more uh, niche than Royal Decree in terms of you only get this highest provision card. So I think it should be slightly less provisions than Royal Decree. 
but I, I don't really know why it has to be six points. Like, if you would slam down five, I feel like almost everyone would still use this card if it was five points. Mm -hmm. like, like, it's just you use it for the ability, right? And, and not for slamming points down. And you, you usually hope that the thing you get from her is so strong that it's going to make up for whatever points you lose on, on this body. So, I don't know. I, I've seen her less though at the end of last season's meta than at the beginning. The beginning, it was literally in every deck and it oh, seemed yeah. like the most OP yeah. ever uh, thing. And then it kind of um, normalized itself over time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think people started to find other ways to to get the same consistency. Maybe at a lower provision cost. But... Um, meta is always linked to scenarios, and do you think that you know, considering that artifact removal is no longer a thing, at least not faction-bound artifact removal, do you think that scenarios are gonna see even more play? Because the first couple of days kind of prove, kind of proved me wrong on that point. I I haven't seen that many scenarios. I can, uh, Anar still plays Siege, and mm -hmm. I've seen Syndicate playing Passive Flora, but other than that, no scenarios at all. I mean, I. I've been seeing uh, scenarios still. Um, the Feigned Dad, the Pesaflora, the Siege. Not Haunts. Haunts is not being played that much. Yeah, I, th I don't think it's that good of a scenario, especially since monsters now rely on other things. Yeah, I mean... Buff Haunt by a provision or something? I feel like something was made better about oh, that. Maybe card. they did. Yeah, maybe I think... Um... But yeah, uh, it's... It, it doesn't really find a place in monsters. Uh, and interestingly about Gedinave, about the Skellige one. Uh, oh, yeah. I know, I read on Reddit that um, the pros show up after the res triggers now. Yeah, you play that's the onion res, Oh, that's uh, really good, If you don't have right? beasts on the board, you lose out on... Um, four points. The, yeah, on the four points from the... Uh, from the druid. Not sure what the name was. Um, the mm -hmm. druid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I think we all know what you mean. Yeah. So you basically could say this this was nerfed by four points, unless or like oh. the, the four points were made more conditional than it used to have for free. Yeah. Yeah. Also, who in his right mind is now playing Get the Knife? <laughs> there's better like, options. Yeah. <laughs> there's better options within Skellige. Yeah, just some great now. swords on World Poor, and you're ready yeah. to go. Yeah, because I think we all expected artifacts to be, uh adjusted or reworked to a certain capacity. I remember talking to Crozer about it before the podcast and he said, I expect mm -hmm. uh, a huge artifact rework patch and that's not exactly what happened. No, <laughs> we, got, we got a half-ass one. Uh, we, we, I, I, to be honest, that's, maybe that's what I should have said earlier. This is what I don't understand. When they, so they talked about removing artifact removal and then they go ahead and take out half of it. And I'm not sure if ne next patch they're going to take out the other half and they didn't have time to rework those cards or something. But why do you just make artifact removal worse like this instead of removing it? Like now it's just as binary, but you're forced to run shitty cards like Bumpiva or, I don't know, Dancing Star or just <laughs> good old Chu Pyro. Like, oh, oh yeah, of course, Invocation. But, yeah, uh, uh, we have to uh, talk about her. And uh, I think the logic behind leaving her as is uh, was she's not removing anything. She moves a card from place A to B, not to graveyard. She doesn't destroy anything. And that's why they left, it, left her the card as is. Yeah, it's interesting, right? Because they did say 
we want we remove artifact uh, removal uh, from every faction, but yeah, it's it's yeah. not like yeah, like you say, it's not. It's not exactly it, removing it. On the other it, hand, yeah. it is removing it because you you, it's gone from the board, you know. So yeah, I mean, but uh, personally, I don't mind really. Uh, I would be fine with it if scenarios were considered. That would actually, in my opinion, fix a lot of problems. It would make Caretaker not being able to resurrect them. So if scenarios mm -hmm. weren't artifacts, I think this would be fine. But the fact mm -hmm. that it effectively just yoinks your artifact, and if you're greedy enough to play a simulate and Duchess Informants, yeah. then you effectively get to trigger it yourself, which is, I think, quite a bit unfair. unfair. Yeah. Totally not yeah. looking at me playing Angulem. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should guys uh, look out for the next Dandelion show, by the way. Oh, yeah? Yeah, I've heard it's gonna be there. <laughs> That's good, man. I'm curious. Yeah, because that was... that. That was an amazing play. I should have showed it. I should have showed it here, but yeah, you're gonna see it. Uh, but um, speaking of Yennefer's, I don't think that her value is really as much as people think it is, because quite often you're gonna see, at least now, who is playing scenarios. You see uh, Fane Death. You see uh, Syndicate. You see uh, and are and many of these factions can actually trigger the first chapter, or the second, mm -hmm. uh, the prologue, and the first chapter in the same turn. So are you really gonna remove the scenario that's already? Like almost done yeah. with, with only one chapter left. I d I don't really like Yennefer invocation on on the scenario because if you cannot proc the scenario, then it's yeah, it's almost no value. It's yeah, just that, denying value you, from your opponent. Though, yeah, so. you are preventing value from from being generated on your opponent's side, and uh, you are losing a mulligan essentially. Yeah, like I I rather play like Yennefer invocation on, on the units, for example. Like last night, mm -hmm. I played uh, with Villa. We did a bit of coping of stream. And we played uh, we played Bribery on Louisa, and then we decided to play Yennefer Invocation on the opponent Safola, and then we yoked into the Safola and got like twenty. How many points was it? Twenty five point play. So that was that. that that's when Yen Invocation shines, you know. Yeah, but that's very mm. very situational, right? It's not like you're I mean that was very every game. But I mean, if you play against Syndicate, it's it's very likely, right? I think there's actually a couple of uh, NG decks that run both Invocation and the Bomb Heaver um, for, you know, kind of the reason that you guys were talking about, that there is more attractive targets for um, uh, Invocation. And also because if you play Invocation on a scenario, you kind of um, play for zero tempo, I mm -hmm. guess, because you're not putting anything on the board. Uh, and oftentimes the scenario already got out its first chapter, so that starts to stick. Um, you, you prevent a lot of points that would have come from the scenario, but I, I also think like if you play Bombiva, you don't just take that value away, you add your own points on the board, mm -hmm. and I think it's still um, much more uh, impactful, uh, unless you want to play the same scenario as the opponent yeah. than Invocation, because, I don't know, some, some scenarios you, you can barely trigger yourself. Uh, yeah, so it's almost like a dead card. Later. Yeah, and Nilfgaard, they don't have a lot of engines that get points over time, right? So when you play, yeah, when you play Yennefer Invocation, then yeah, it's just a zero point play in that case. Yeah. Which could lose you the game or the round easily. Yeah, to to give, to put it into an, a specific example, you could uh, you could look at an, a matchup against an R, right? You can you can um, take the, uh, the Siege of the Board with maybe one chapter left, 
and then you think, okay, I can take Falibor. Mm -hmm. And Falibor yeah, removes seven points. And if you replay him, you get what? Ten at least. So yeah. that's 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 a much better value than than the scenario. And one thing I noticed is um, Siege always plays mobilization, and uh, I think it's a good moment to actually talk about the leader abilities that got changed or nerfed, because obviously Pinsir is on on top of this list. Do you think it was it was a good timing to nerf Pinsir, or do you think it should have happened earlier? And is three provisions a good amount of 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 nerf hammer? Should have, should have, should have, maybe, maybe, maybe less, maybe more. I mean, it must have been because of the triple siege, right? <laughs> they were like, oh, damn, BJ and Weevil, they're like conquering the meta with this deck. Now is the time, the right time to nerf that deck, uh, that leader ability. Nah, yeah, I feel like clearly has enough aside. of the, of the triple siege. <laughs> jokes, jokes aside, though. Jokes aside, I think maybe they should have done it a bit earlier. Um, but tw yeah, it, it's it's very low provisions now. I, I still see it. People still play it. Yeah, I was actually joking um, that now you now instead of um, pincer, you have the Skellige combo, second wind to to get the Dagur back or or Morgvark or or the boat. So I was like, yeah, second wind nerfed uh, to twelve provisions in three, two, one. Yeah, I mean that's gonna happen, right? It's definitely gonna happen after this season. Mm -hmm. They're gonna nerf a uh, second wind. Um, or, yeah, yeah. I wanna hear Crozier's opinion on, on Pinsir. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's it's when I saw that change, I was like, wow, three provision, that is <laughs> that is a lot. Um and I mean, maybe I just haven't played enough. Would you guys still say the deck or the leader is being played frequently now, or did you feel like it's been killed this way? I, I, I haven't seen it once, actually. Me neither. Oh, I only I mean, see mobilization. I maybe, saw it. Maybe. Yeah, I saw it. Yeah, maybe two provision would have been enough to nerf it. Even though then people would have been like, oh, two provision is not enough. And then maybe it actually is. Because now yeah, it's or, really, it's, it's like it's... Yeah, or maybe, you know, one, two provisions and then change uh, the ability a little bit so that you can only draw an, an R card. Uh, maybe Maybe that. Or if you change other cards in that deck that were frequently played, maybe that's also, like, I'm not sure, something like Falibor, oh, did Falibor get nerfed? I feel like there were a few NR goals, I don't think so. Uh, Falibor think... did not get touched. No, yeah. Philippa neither, right? Philippa got touched. Oh, Philippa got... Yeah, they won provision, I think. Oh, I should really read the patch notes. Uh, I, I don't want to go on record and say Falibor should get nerfed. I never really felt like it was necessary, but, like, not just put all the nerfs onto the leader ability itself, but onto the keep parts of the deck so it's not you know completely dead but you might have to pay the price if you want to have bigger cards and i don't know it's, it's hard to say uh you raised a very good point because we see that the mystic echo is getting fewer and fewer provisions every time but wouldn't mm -hmm. it be just better to address the cards that caused the problem not the leader ability because mystic echo was not being played was not even talked about before Novigrad Injustice and Wilders of Rockland. Yeah. I don't think people were playing it back in the day. No. But so maybe maybe those cards should have get changed. I, I find it funny that uh out, out of nowhere 
CDPR is like, hey, you're going to ch change Novic Guardian Justice now because it was abusable in Mystic Echo. When <laughs> <laughs> literally... <laughs> what a joke. Yeah. Like, what year is it? <laughs> Like, yeah, um, I said that during the during their stream. Yeah. Like they feel like they are slightly behind the meta. Yeah. And then, another oh, example yeah. of that is another leader ability nerf that is not very harmful. <laughs> I don't think I don't think anyone is gonna be upset about that. But they uh, changed enslave. Enslave? Why? Like out why of all things. <laughs> like nobody played that. Yeah. And... After sorry after after death stream. Uh, right after death stream, I think I queued the two enslaved players, and I felt like they must have started playing enslaved now because when CDR, if CDR is nerfing them, it's gotta be OP, right? So. They actually <laughs> said it's the leader ability with the highest win rate. So I think people just figured, oh, if Slama said that, that ability yeah. is really, really strong, I'm gonna play it. It's I mean, the highest win rate ability because it's like what total 10 games a season, and they look, ooh, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, personally, I think Slama has been playing against it at uh, at rank thirty. He's been playing it against the Enslave, and that's why uh, he had a problem <laughs> with it. Sorry, Slama. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, but this actually um, prompts me to talk about uh, the dev stream because you see um, what rank Buja is, and I think it was rank twenty nine, <laughs> and that means he never got past a certain rank because you cannot drop lower than twenty five. <laughs> So I think maybe they should use a different account, at least like rank 10. Uh -huh. At least, yeah, okay, yeah, we are yeah, playing, yeah. kind of. At <laughs> sometimes, at least. Yeah, just pretend. Just, just, yeah, just pretend. I know that it's not relevant because they have much more data than we do and they have much yeah. more information about what should be changed and that shouldn't be relevant. But it looks really, really weird when they talk about, oh, this is the best ability, and then you see the, 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 the rank of the guy talking about that is 29. Yeah. Oh, well, he's community manager, right? He doesn't yeah, of course, it doesn't matter. Like, <laughs> you, we know that it does not matter, but yeah. it's, it would look better. Of course, of course. Like the time that when they uh, wanted to release The Witcher on the Switch, they had a video of The Witcher game uh, gameplay on, on, this, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the YouTube or something on the Switch. Yeah. <laughs> it was I actually mean, pretty pog, right? That they, didn't, they couldn't really pog. play The Witcher 3 on Switch yet. So they just played a YouTube video of The Witcher 3 on Switch <laughs> to show that they are playing. Yeah. <laughs> that was yeah, good. That was good. They, they used their, their, their Python brain. Um, and speaking of unexpected nerfs or unexpected changes, niche cards. Adrenaline Rush. Rip. Actually, Ooh. people play it. Really? Can you imagine? Yeah, I saw too. I saw it yeah. in uh, Araka's Queen when they yeah. took a little drone yeah, yeah, yeah. and then buff it by it. That's where they play it. I mean, it's mm -hmm. 8 for 5, right? It is. It's getting its value. Uh, especially if you, especially if you play it in decks that have a few cards that go tall anyway. So, I don't know. Like, if you play the monsters, they want to be able to punish you, goalie at your your Osral. They can't just screw your, their, their toll removal at your drones, right? So it's... Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. And... Not only Adrenaline Rush, but the, the Imlareth change, which we are going to talk about in a moment. They kind of created a new deck. And I think most of you have already seen it. But there is one card, one more niche card that got changed. And I don't think it's going to see any play whatsoever. And that's Epidemic. Oh, yeah. I'm kind of upset they changed it. What do you guys mm -hmm. think? Because Adrenaline oh, yeah. Rush, we first we thought, 
oh, this is gonna be some memory, but it's actually being played. Like, there is a deck where you can use it. But Epidemic? I would have preferred if they buffed the card provisions. Like, it was not even being played. Like, why touch it in the first yeah. place when it's not being played? I mean, maybe they wanted to make it more playable. But then first try to uh, buff the provisions. I think it would have been more playable if they didn't got it all the four provision engines. Yeah. Maybe yeah. make it a four provision card then. If you can kill a four provision cost unit, then make it four provisions. Maybe that, that would make it more playable. But I think this way, unless we have a meta where there's very strong four provision cards running around that kick everyone's ass and you're like, haha, I got Epidemic. Uh, activated my test shot. I suppose uh, it could be good on Sea Jackal, for example. That's a really good for a proficient card. If that's being played a lot, you can just destroy it, right? Or is it random? Um, no, you can target. Okay, if you can target, then in that case, it's pretty good to, to removal. Uh, I mean, let's uh, be honest, you cannot even remove King Cobra with this. <laughs> no, I mean, come on. Oh, King Cobra buff. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but. Then again, that would be really bad if you do. Yeah, I know, but there is not really that many four provision cards that yeah. you're gonna see being played. Yeah. Um. Maybe four provision and below, so you can kill. Oh no, no you could kill tokens. It would actually be crazy. No, never mind. Because <laughs> then you could kill frightened and stuff. Um. No, but I, I think their reasoning here was that they said that these cards were too high provision for being bronze. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I agree with that sentiment in the first place, but at least that makes me hope that maybe we'll get Epidemic back, like the old effect, a gold card. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, that's great. Mm. That would be great. Yeah, that's that's actually one way to think about it. Because they they specifically said that a bronze card being eight provision somewhat defeats the purpose of it being bronze. It's yeah. actually a gold with a different frame. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah now like, that you said it, that maybe they have the intention of bringing the car back as a gold. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. They did like it with... Look at, uh, hmm? You go first, maybe you have the same example as me. Yeah, if you look at the bronzes, I think the highest bronze is a 7th provision card now. Like Bone Talisman and a couple other cards. Yeah, right, yeah. They really nerfed down the high proficient bronze cards, so maybe, yeah, maybe that's totally right yeah. what you're saying there. I I think epidemic and adrenaline rush both were eight provision, uh, and they did the same with the Skellige Bearmaster, and everyone complained the same that they were like, oh, you're changing interesting abilities and make boring abilities out of them, uh, and then later they added uh, abilities to Flaminica. She's now what Bearmaster used to be, uh, as a gold card. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. So, at the same time, people say you shouldn't do this because the bronze cards aren't devalued that way. Back in the day, they you could almost say they were the core of your deck and they determined uh, or they could be very influential in what your uh, overall game plan is. And the less um, powerful and impactful you make them, uh, the more you just rely on this gold core and drawing all of your gold cards and, and it becomes less synergistic in that way. Um, so I... I personally never minded the tall or the big provision bronze cards and having them be impactful like that. Uh, and I, I fondly still remember Epidemic and people uh, with a degenerate deck uh, like two seasons ago. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the trend and I hope at least that some of these abilities that were lost come back in at least in gold cards then. 
Yeah, I, I believe Potion Mod is crying in the corner. <laughs> Maybe he is. But you know, it's not only yeah. about the abilities. Like, if you think about things that got somewhat removed from the game, all the art and and, and, and characters, you think maybe one day they come back. Imnera mm-hmm. Sabbath, uh, please. Be no. Somewhere out there. No. I have the art, the art is there. <laughs> and speaking of Imlarith, <laughs> monster reworks. They said they oh, gave boy. Wild Hunt a pass. And um, yeah, as we as we talked, uh, we talked about it before. There, it doesn't really feel like the Wild Hunt cards have any internal synergies whatsoever. How do you I guys mean, feel about you know Imlarith being changed and all the other cards? It's so I mean, random. The other, only Wild Hunt cards that I can think of have synergies. Imlarith. Yeah. Right. Like yeah, the only ones that have been so like clearly planned. Uh, mm-hmm. and the other ones just were made to like work with with the dominance uh, dominance gameplay of monsters for now at least. So, yeah. so when when the, f- the first time I saw Emirate, right, I was like, oh, it's an allied unit's power to seven. So maybe it's it means you give strength into the card, but it's. It's boost. Just boost. Yeah, so that's why I think the card <laughs> trash, trash design. Um, yeah, I mean, sometimes with changes like this, I'm not sure if it's an issue of CDPR not understanding what the community actually wants, or if they think that what the community wants isn't good for the game. Um, and that's why they don't do it, because I think clearly most people, when they talk about Wild Hunt rework, they don't just want to have a flesh out archetype. I can imagine at least some people are still quite uh, nostalgic about the synergy with Frost and they would see like uh, mm-hmm. something going into that direction. And then um, like, I'm not sure if CDPR thought that the changes they did would please the community uh, that want reworks. Like if they neglected what the, like if, if, they, if they just didn't understand what people actually wanted or if it's, them saying maybe like a frost archetype is bad for the game they don't want it and i mean here they were trying to push for dominance even though mm-hmm. you could argue that these cars still don't synergize enough with each other to make a proper deck out of them i mean it is fair to say they gave them a common theme with dominance here i think almost all of them have like this dominance aspect uh, and i could see if they would add in a new expansion like a wild hunt focused um monster expansion then, uh, and then give them a lot of dominance-related features that actually synergize with the existing cards. Now, then maybe that would make people happy. I think it would make me happy, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, because the way Imlarith is being played right now, because it is being played, we cannot underestimate that, is uh, it boosts either the fruit or a rat. Yeah, like a drone, right? Yeah. Like a drone. Which is, which is, mm. if you think about it, it's actually quite hilarious. You know, this big bad wild hunt guy just walking over to a rat. Boop! You're seven now. Yeah, it's just. I really don't like it. Like, yeah, I'm not gonna play it. And what do you think about Nithro by basically being the old Imlarith? Yeah, I mean that's stupid. <laughs> like, come on! At least think about it, right? At least think about what you want to do with it. Nobody played it anyway, but then they say, like, we want every faction to have this kind of ability. Yeah. 
It's, it's the okay. pinging guy of monsters. Makes sense, but then again, nobody plays those cards, so maybe instead of thinking that you should have a card like this in every faction, you should just get rid of all those cards and change all their abilities. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, but it's actually a a long-standing um, feature of CDPR, just giving one's ability card a, a card's ability to to another card. For example, if you look at Skellige, Greatsword are the are the old Axemen. And mm-hmm. Savage Bear is the is the and the the Ancrate Longship is the old Savage Bear. Yeah, people yeah, yeah like uh, cards like to take up new jobs once in a while. Yeah. Greatswords didn't just want to stay greatswords. They they looked at X-Men and they were like, This is my life now. <laughs> and and <laughs> I, I don't know. I I didn't even if that's our biggest problem, then I think Gwent is in a good place, but um, I see how it is confusing for people who just want a bit of consistency there with the existing cast. Um, it's, I, I, I guess, I'm, I'm not sure when you guys started playing, but it's been like uh, this forever with Gwent. Yeah, I, mean, I started playing close beta, I think yeah. uh, March, April 2017, like the last month or two of, of close beta. Yeah, I started before midwinter. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, Vila, is, Vila wasn't even born back then, so. You're <laughs> <laughs> still, you're still wearing uh, pampers and stuff. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it feels like even homecoming is still kind of being a beta event, right? Yeah. They keep making changes. They keep doing this. They keep doing that. It's still not a finished end product. Yeah, I mean, it'd be really dumb to say we are finished because they're clearly not. I mean, yeah. the game is not finished yeah. at all. I think it was one of the first comments I saw when they said we are reworking 100 cards. Somebody that just directly said, oh, yeah, guys, maybe next year we're going to get out of beta. <laughs> ah, it's yeah. Android release. That's going to be the big one. Oh, That's yeah. yeah, yeah. That, that'll bring us home. Yeah. The release that changes everything. <laughs> Merges <laughs> of negativity. <laughs> um, but yeah, we were talking a little bit about great swords and their new life because you know swords are for wenches. Uh, at least that's what uh, they say in Skellige. Um Some people believe that Skellige is going to be very, very dominant now, given the recent reworks. Your opinion, guys? Because I see I mean, a lot of Skellige not yeah, necessarily but... the great sword both fist deck. But a lot of Skellige in general. I feel like Skellige might be tier 1 because of the World War of the Sea change. Um, For me, personally, it has been dominating me every time I play against it with my Kunkakai deck. Um, Maybe it's because I don't run Geralt Jordan or any tall removal um, to counter their big greatswords. Yeah, but the problem is, even if you do that... You are still getting the hits from you know Morgvark and and the boat and mm-hmm. uh, what's what else there? What's one more card and Hemdal? Like they are only de- dealing damage to you. Yeah, like I think the problem is that as soon as someone figures out an effective way to deal with great swords and dagger, doesn't matter because then the other person figures out a way to just use those cards without great sword and make them viable without going tall necessarily and. St- going very mid-range and destroying your opponent's board just casually. 
So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think Skellig is going to be pretty strong going forward. Yeah. I also think for this patch, uh, unless they're going to do hotfixes, which I doubt, um, that's going to be our our meta for now. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, you never know what other decks they might come up with. Other factions that cover early, this. Right? And at the same time, uh, I hope I don't diverge too much from uh, the, the whole thing. But I think it's like um, X-Men or Greatswords nowadays is one of the last remaining decks that actually go crazy with the value uh, and and way beyond the curve if they um, get their condition through with you know getting all the pings on the great swords. Uh, I always like to think back in beta we had more decks like this, like Neckers that went crazy with like 20, 30 point Neckers that kept slamming on the board, and of course X Men were also insane. Uh, in terms of you know just the amount of points that you win by if you don't get answered is like ridiculous. Yeah. Sometimes right and. And and that's um, I think some something we either have to say if you want to make it in line with every everything else you'd have to put a limit here somewhere again or maybe you say you want this craziness in your game which I'm actually kind of more in favor of but that requires more effort and um, change to happen so that other decks could keep up with great swords and then you alienate people who don't like these kinds of crazy crazy swings it's it's a kind of a difficult topic I think. Yeah, because it's not really about great swords growing that big. The problem is that you have cards like Hemdall, cards like Wildboar, Morgvark, that create that value in one turn. Mm. It's not like okay, it's a DOT. It's it's you know damage over time. You have so many turns. You can think about how you want to want to deal with it, or maybe clear an effect. You know, get rid of great swords, whatever. You have time. In this case, this could be their finisher. Just resurrect great sword, play Morgvark, win. And I, I think that's what BJ uh, experienced a lot, right? Mm-hmm, yeah. Like you I mean, were you were playing your own homebrew deck. You were up by forty yeah. something points, round three. You think easy game, I got this, and then easy you lose game. by fifty something. It's just... It kind of reminded me of DJ back back, you know, in September October. Yeah, it, because that's the thing, right? You kind of have the carryover of when you play that that certain card in round one, like World War of the Sea. You know, you're going you're going to play it in the last round again. So. It allows you to to win round one, maybe pass round two, and then you play the last round and you just replay this fucking card and then, bam, you're winning by millions of points. And that was the exact same thing with DJ2. Like, it was too oppressive compared to the other decks in, in, in the matter of points that you can get. So, yeah. Yeah, the problem is really that you can replay it, right? That, that abilities like Second Wind exist. Mm-hmm. And even without second wind, you can still play. Uh, was it um, the the flurry ability? Yeah, that, the fury. Yeah, the fury. Yeah, things eight, eight, eight times. Mm-hmm. I mean, exactly. Oh, you, oh, you mean the flurry one? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay, so you can play that ability with the great swords. It's great, but most people play fury. Uh, yeah, the of, the patch side of fury. Yeah, you can still play the wildborn in that case. So it's still strong. Even without the resurrection, but the resurrection allows you to to win round one easier. Easier, I think. Yeah, but don't you guys think it's a, it's a theme of sorts? Like we are getting those crazy deploy cards. Because first it was the Great Oak, then we had Falibor, Philippa. Mm. Uh, now it's Wildboar of the Sea. Like yeah, everyone's everyone's saying, oh, but you know these factions need a finisher. 
But then if you I look mean, at, 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 you know, potentially scale again, well, they have three finishers because they have Morgvark, Hemdall, and the boat. Yeah, okay, but Hemdall... I mean, Hemdall is being maybe played a little bit more than before, but the thing is, if you compare those finishers with each other, then World of the Sea is, like, on the top of them, I think. Maybe, it's very I mean, easy Morgvark, to meet the conditions, right? Yeah, especially with uh, uh, your opponent being uh, playing a lot of cards in a long round. Welber of the Sea is going to get a, get its failure. Morgfark on the other hand, it's still very conditional. Your opponent has to have a unit that has a lot of boost. So in some scenarios, uh, Morgfark is not going to get a lot of failure. Maybe it's six points. Mm. And in some in some other situation, it's like a lot of points. Yeah, it's Welber much less consistent. Most likely uh, a lot of points since it's very hard to win round one against uh, Skellige now. So you most likely lose, and they pass round two, and then they have a very, very long round, and then they can even push you. Push they you. all all they need is the leather ability in the boat. Or, yeah, or I mean they like just that. need the, the cards, right? Like it's either them to owing you, and you don't have a chance, or it's either them having a long round three, and then you just lose anyway. So one time I actually managed to win from Skellige with my homebrew, and that was because my opponent played Morgvark, Welber of the Sea, Dagger. A great sword all in round one and i was able to go out with a card up i lost round one but that's fine and then he was only able to replay one of those cards and then i won but that's very unique uh moment i think yeah that's that's not gonna happen ever again like i'm sure <laughs> <laughs> so guys what do we think um should cards like that exist in the game or should the conditions be uh, should the, the conditions require a little bit more effort to, to pull it off? Uh, for Wild Boar, yeah, definitely. Uh, I think it's way too, way too easy to set up. And set up, it doesn't require any setup. You just slam it on the board and get instant value. Uh, so, so would it be better if it was just damage all the enemy units by one? Because I don't mind having finishers in the game. It's just that it's both, right? It damages all damage units, and then it damages all units. If it was only damage all enemy units by one, if that as long as point. second wind exists, I don't. I think it still will be really, really strong. Perhaps, yeah. Because it all happens in one turn. Crosser, your your take on that? Yeah, I you mean, are you are I... the Skellige mastermind here. <laughs> I uh, when I started playing, I also incorporated Wild Boar of the Sea, and I never took it out again this season. Um, I th I think it's uh, as you say it's it's going beyond the curve too easily. Um, so the thing is though, I call, call me naive. I always like to live in this world where we have strong finishes like this, but the game is still balanced and fun. Um, because maybe not this strong, like what about the sea with the that's connected to it. But um, I, I I like personally just when I play the excitement of having these big impactful plays um mm -hmm. when we just talk about the nature of finishes um but usually as you say you you want them to be more difficult to set up uh and beyond the condition it's also the price tag on it and um i, I think in this case for what it does uh wild boar is just too too cheap as well um and i'm not sure i think i would rather keep it strong but make it more expensive or not sure. I don't really want to say nerf the power on it because then it can be such a brick in some situations, which also feels bad and feels binary. You know, either get it off or don't. 
it's it's like this this idea that you don't want to make it too binary by saying you know useless card if completely useless if you don't get the setup right but also don't want to be too rewarding for lazy play not even setting it up remotely still winning the game by 20 points because haha i got white ball no it's it's not an easy thing to fix i think but uh, i mean something has to change about the card exactly right because if you give it order i don't think anyone is going to play it because yeah. nobody plays like, yeah i think ls suggested just give it order and yeah that would absolutely yeah. kill the card mm -hmm. exactly like so you have to do something else with it and the, i think it's just the ability is too strong so yeah, i think i think maybe not as a hotfix but next month uh wild boar probably a small provision change and second wind nerf the ground Hmm. Hmm. Because yeah, it was yeah. second win was like at least compared to other um Skellige abilities was already strong because they could play the whole scenario in one turn. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um do we do we still think scenarios should get a cooldown? Like only one chapter by per um... per turn because I saw on Twitter when the last patch when when the days were leading to the uh Death stream. Uh, days leading up to that, uh, people were saying, "Yeah, give give cooldown to scenario. Don't make it triggerable in one round, and then maybe remove uh, artifact removal completely." But if um, you if you think about that, right? All yeah. cards that got a cooldown, they are not even being played, right? As I cannot remember, like spare, it's not being played. Wyvern shield, it's not being played. Uh, Igor, it's not being played. Um, Man, uh, manga, it's not being played. So I feel like Pafco is being played very occasionally. It has a yeah. cooldown, technically. That has a cooldown now. But that's the only thing I can think of. But that thing, the thing is with 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 the Pafco, it's just yeah, it's a really good engine, really strong engine. Um... But yeah, you are right. Uh, I think that if they gave it cooldown, that would be overkill. I still am in favor of what Panda suggested on the show. He said lower their provisions and make the and decrease the power output significantly. So if it gets removed, you don't feel about it. You don't feel bad about it. If you pull it off in one turn, the swing is still manageable. That would probably be the most reasonable way of going about it, I think, mm -hmm. yeah. And that would also allow them to make more scenarios. Because you are not going all in on that scenario play. Or you have some scenarios that are cheap, some that are more expensive, and you open yourself up for removal that way. It's a bit riskier. It's... I think there's lots of arguments in, in, in both directions, because if you, if you keep removing powerful cards, then um, in, a, in a way, at least for me, I always feel very sad when they remove big effects from the game because they're deemed too powerful because um i i feel like you're okay like if you want to do that I, I would always like to see in the same patch add two or three other new interesting things that uh you can do instead because i don't want the game to uh with, with like one patch at a time to um you know become less diverse taking away all the like crazy mechanics out of it uh, same, same, like rest in vain of you know uh, what many people complained about with epidemic and 
adrenaline rush where they say, you know, those abilities were unique and interesting, and now we have generic things instead. Um, you know, if, if you if you change things like that, I think at least if you want to, if you care about this kind of thing, if you want to please your community, you want to add crazy abilities instead. So um, the game still remains exciting and fun to play, you mm -hmm. know, both on like a casual level as well as like the high tier um, competitive level. Yeah, I feel like the uniqueness of some of, of some of the cards they're they're disappearing slowly and more and more, and that's kind of sad, really. Are you saying we are we are slowly moving back to homecoming? <laughs> yeah, like already homecoming, where yeah, everything or... feels kind of samey and yeah. I, I would I wouldn't say we are very close to getting back there because I as as much as people always like to hate or no. Quint the buff and damage a card card game. Uh, I I do think they went out of their way to add mechanics to this game that are different from just buffing and damaging with poison and purify and defender and I I feel like right now there's statuses especially that that make the game go beyond that. But changes let me put it this way changes like in last patch look like taking a step back into uh, old homecoming times. Not being there yet, but taking a step into that direction. And um, yeah. yeah, because one of the problems that people sometimes mention is the curve value, right? They CDPR clearly had something in mind when they designed Homecoming, and there was a very specific curve telling you how strong bronzes should be, how strong you know eight nine provision cards should be, and how strong the more expensive cards should be. And I think that we know with the addition of certain cards, the curve value is. All over the place. There, there's, there's no longer a curve actually. So maybe, maybe that's the, uh, what, what, maybe that's what they have in mind to just move slowly, move back, to kind of get back on, on, on that curve to, to make things more predictable that way. Yeah, because a rush was being played with like, I mean, it was not being played as of late, yeah. but it has been played with like. Uh, Book of Thousand of Fables, what's this card called? Uh, yeah, the, 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 the Land of Thousand Fables. Yeah, yeah, the Land of Thousand Fables, and then like when the opponent passes round two, you start playing Avalak or something, and then you, you play the Average on it, and then you got something really strong in the last round, and uh, like Gale, or, for, for example, and then you... Yeah, you but make... that was a very, very niche yeah, play. Very long time. But I think it but simply now... bothered them that yeah. you, know, you have this card that's bronze and that's eight provisions, and you know it doesn't fit the curve that they have in mind, so they had to re had to rework it mm -hmm. to fit better their idea of the game. And you can see that with uh, what's their face, uh, slave infantry. It got nerfed as oh, well. Yeah. It was a very yeah. expensive bronze with seven provisions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. They really want to touch the the bigger proficient bronzes. I feel like. Yeah. Which means, like, I'm I'm slightly afraid great swords might be next. There's six provision. That's uh quite close to the high provision limits they want to set themselves. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. They are a, a bronze card right now that I'm sure they consider it problematic because uh, not just what's happening this patch but because of the sheer potential of the card in combination with the yeah. other things that are in this game. Yeah, um, the, the ceiling, right? The ceiling of great swords. Yeah, I I feel like that might be uh, uh, the Grim Reaper's next visit. You know, the Great Swords. That might be something that that might change. Yeah, because if you look at other engines, it's usually one, maybe two pinks per turn, right? Mm. And then Great Swords, it's it's what five, six, ten, depends. 
Oh, it's open ended, right? If Mokwa feels like he's gonna have a field day, then can be. I mean, even like the mirror is so silly, right? Because uh, if they have, like, if you have last say and then you mm -hmm. just play Mokwa Greatsword, you get all the buffs back that he mm -hmm. got, right? And then yeah. on top of, yeah, uh, and then gets on top of you. It's like, the, 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 it's like deploy here. Yeah, it's it's like uh, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's in some ways broken, and then I mean one of the reasons also why people like Swim aren't really interested in the game anymore. Without making too much about him right now, but that that was for example his reason to leave at least uh, is that um, the game is lacking crazy things like that, crazy swings, crazy abilities uh, that have like completely turn around the game board uh, state and. It's it's always a question like do you want these things to be gone or impossible in the game? Do we want to put a ceiling on everything and make everything balanced that way? You know, in in the name of balance, you know, or do you want things to be exciting and crazy and uh what's what's the what's the road to go down here, you know? And then where's where's maybe uh the, the the middle where you can meet for both um player types to be happy about your game, you know? That's not not an easy thing to answer, I think. I think the crazy things should exist in this game, just should be not this easy to play. Mm. That's one thing that I always have in mind. If you design a strong deck, the skill and the knowledge that's required to play that deck should also be very high. Unlike, for example, Harmony last season that uh, requires absolutely no knowledge of the game, no experience, no skill at all. You just play cards and you win. No, 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 no. You need to play it in a chronicle order, you know. <laughs> oh, you just you just made. You need to make sure that you don't play the same the same tag uh, one after another. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> kind of like Gurney, right? Uh, that was that was the oh. argument people used um, when when Gurney was popular. It requires skill. You need to remember to play your leader ability. Yeah, before you play another card. If you don't do it, you lose a point. <laughs> But uh, yeah. we actually see some interesting stuff being removed from the game because we had um, Eldain, right? And it was not a very popular leader. It was a very trigger leader, if you ask me, because I'm not a huge fan of uninteractive gameplay. But it got changed something to to, to it got changed to something that's much better, but that's, but that's also much more vanilla. How do mm. we feel about that? How do we feel about Dead Eye Ambush being just nine nine points over three bodies? It has synergies, but I mean... it also lacks flavor, I think. Traps are a joke now, right? They should be. <laughs> I mean, Ripple. it was nice that there was a leader ability that actually supported traps. It was not the greatest ability, I have to agree. But it was nice, right? Now, now traps are just a joke, to, in my opinion. But I, I, do, I do like the ability because it has a lot of uh, synergy with uh, the other uh, elf cards from, from the Skoetal. Like uh, Isengrim, Furnaceal, yeah, uh, Yaven. Yaven. They they are really great cards with this ability. Um, but yeah, traps need some more love in my opinion. But they they clearly said they don't want traps to be an archetype, which is kind of weird because they said exactly the same thing about discards, <laughs> and they didn't change the discard leader ability. Like they, they did they not did. follow through on their on their own uh, promise, I would say. Yeah, they they do like to change their minds on things like that. I remember very clearly how they tried to they kept trying to push the, the trap archetype, you know, adding things like this mantis, 
or trying to change traps around so that they are more powerful and and then i feel like they just give up on it sometimes and after like four or five patches and expansions where they couldn't make it viable i think i mean uh Elaine has never been viable in the history of gwent ever right it's always been this meme leader um same yeah. as Demovin, to be honest and mm-hmm. it's it's like they, they feel like okay just not gonna happen if we do make traps too powerful then also there's gonna be people that are gonna be like uh no i don't want to play when when there's traps running around everywhere because traps are horrible and toxic and you don't know what to play around so it's rng in a way and mind games yeah but still and uh then if you want to make traps good enough for eldane to be good enough then uh, it, it can be such a toxic matter and so they'd say okay let's just change eldane and i wish they would have changed him something different that was equally complex but, yeah right yeah. like the uniqueness of that ability it was very unique and now yeah. it's just a very simple ability and like okay it's same as uh, same as congregate right um basically just with yeah. one more point uh and slightly different i mean we don't have coins in this yeah. point at all but yeah here's or oh, like arrakis queen you have a leader that puts a body on a board multiple times yeah, it looks like they really want similarities between all the factions, but then you lose faction identity. And that's what mm. Freddy Babes also has been saying. Like- yeah, the the Unga concept is back, where each faction has an equivalent of a certain ability or a card. Mm-hmm. And is that what we really want? But on the other so. hand, do we really want decks that are described as toxic or cancerous by the majority of players to thrive in this game because um that's also my next question right we we have the rat deck that's not very very popular but it is being played and i was talking to you guys before um before the stream and i told you i saw reddit thread and people are just so hyped that oh it's a it's a very alternative win con it's it's nice to play but on the other hand, it's basically mill in disguise. Like you are doing the exactly the same thing. You just prevent your opponent from playing cards. Do we want to think? Yeah. Do we want things like that to be popular and meta? Nope. No, because it's really bad for the game. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I I feel I feel like Crozer is going to counter that argument. Let's go. Oh, I'm not sure if I'm going to counter it. Uh, I'm just going to try to be diplomatic here um hopefully without sipping on anyone's toes i do want and i'm actually i think on this one we will agree i I do think alternate win cons are a good thing for the game and are somewhat necessary to keep the game going for more expansions so there's more things you can do more ways you can play the game to actually end up winning at the end uh hopefully in ways that interact with the other ways of winning the game without taking away their ability to play I, I like when I, th- I assume when you guys say it's a bad thing for the game, it's the idea of you know blocking your opponent out of doing anything at all, like whether it's mill or whether like breaking all of their plays or whether it's um, this rat thing or whether it's no units, right? You just play no units at all, which means eighty uh, percent of the opponent's hand is just garbage, you know. Uh, most of these alternative win cons that we've seen, they kind of operate in this way that they they feel toxic. Um, I guess I'm I'm sadistic enough that I still enjoy <laughs> playing in these ways on Etni. Um and I don't know. It's like I, I mean, I'm like part of me is always sad when you when you take away 
these other ways of winning the game. But I completely understand where people are coming from that hate on it and that um, feel like they can't enjoy the game playing against the Panthers. I think mainly the reason is because people are not allowed to play their own strategy from their yeah. deck. And I, I do like that archetypes like Mill or this, this red archetype, it does allow you to, to think differently. So the game's at least different compared to most of the other games. Mm. So it's not, yeah, it really requires you to to think about what you're doing there. Like you cannot play an autopilot, for example. Yeah, yeah. One good example for this is actually against the red deck. I was playing um, a Call of Harmony Elf Swarm. So worst case, because you know you swarm yeah. your deck or your board already, and they just like put two reds down and you're done, kind of. And I actually mm -hmm. managed to win a game. Uh, it won't work now anymore because of uh, another change that they did, where you can't remember your opponent anymore because you don't see names. But uh, <laughs> I, I played against this guy, lost against his rats. Three games later, I played against him again, and I was like, shit, how do I deal with this at all? I tried to win round one, couldn't win round one. Oh, wait. Now I sit here, round three is going to be a disaster. And then I realized you can trigger um, the crushing trap on your own row if you trigger it manually. So oh. I actually anticipated like looking at the spaces that I had left when he would play his rats. And then in the correct turn, when like I, I stacked one row, so all the reds would, would would go in the back row, and then uh, just in the last uh, turn when I could do it, I flipped my trap card, hit my own row, hit killed all the reds, and then he lost the game because he didn't have any reds anymore. Oh damn! You know, you know, if things like that happen, it feels really rewarding. And mm -hmm. in this case, it allowed me to play my gameplays. It was my my own game plan, like besides this one weird play. So I still felt good about my side um, of playing my cards. Um, and I just wish we would find alternative win cons somewhere in here, in like in in in, in the uh, potential of new Gwent archetypes and cards and mechanics that allows for both players to still go for a strategy, and maybe someone has to change their, strat their strategy substantially to counter this alternative win con, uh, but they can still do something, right? Like they don't uh, just look at garbage in their hand, and I think that's where we would have to try to go for. As mm -hmm. difficult as it, is, as it is to balance something like that or find something like that in the first place. Yeah, I mean, let's say you're playing against Mill and you are thinning a lot. You can adjust your, your uh, game plan to thin less. Right? And then you end up have, actually having cards round one, round two to win the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. But against Rats, it, it, it can be difficult. Because... You can try to adjust your game plan, but if you don't have very specific tools to deal with it, you lose. Like you said, you activated your own trap. Well, there are fractions that don't have access to cards like that. Mm -hmm. For mm -hmm. example, I played with Assimilate against the rats, and I had I had the time of my life. Double Glasty from, from the leader ability and bribery, easy game. <laughs> Actually, have a clip of that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like the way I adjusted my game plan was just to play Bone Talisman. Make use of all those. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's that what I was doing board. yesterday. I, I'm playing Imperial Formation now, and you know I have these four charges, right? I can play them rats. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't think the rat deck would be nearly as problematic if CDPR allowed your own cards to damage your own units again, because they took a bunch of those abilities away. Mm. Uh, like for example, I think the archers, Squatel archers back in the day could hit your own units. Oh yeah. Ethnic could Wait, hit they your own units. Anymore? They can. They, they, can they, they, they can because they keep killing my cows. 
Yeah, but there's a lot of cards that like have had you could damage basically anything, for example. Yeah, if they I've, didn't remove this. I think there should be more cards like that. That wouldn't be that problematic, but Quite often you want to kill that rot that, that cow from the rot tosser, or you only want to kill the rat, yeah. and you yeah, can exactly. because you can only kill enemy unit. I, I think around the time when they made many of these changes, that was when there was still the degenerate artifact meta, where people were trying to set up shiros and scorches and epidemics, and then it was deemed to be too strong to change and disalign your perfectly aligned your side of the board, so you dodged all that, all those nukes. But that's not really a problem anymore, right? So I think. Yeah. It would be, uh, it wouldn't be a bad thing to allow for your units to hit your own target, your own cards again. And some randomly still do. There's like <laughs> sometimes I wonder why out of all cards does this one have the ability to hit yourself? Uh, yeah. It's like yeah. okay, and then I play with the controller sometimes, so I end up just like you know, if you play with the controller, you just hover over the card that you want to trigger. <laughs> you press A. Uh, no, not A. Yeah, it's A on Xbox, right? I'm not a console player, actually. I don't know what buttons are on when. You press the trigger button, whatever. And then it's automatically choosing the next valid target. And you're like, yeah, I'm just going to use my guide to pew pew the other side. And then you pew pew yourself <laughs> and you shame concede. Because you just yeah. spam the trigger button. Yeah. So what I did once, right? When I was playing Triple Siege. Oh, no. And I had Renew. And I had the Caretaker. And they removed my artifact. So no wait, I yeah, I played caretaker on the artifact on the scenario. They removed the scenario. Then I replayed uh, the caretaker with renew to play another scenario. So in those kind of situations, it's really beneficial to to do that. Um, but I feel like they are very inconsistent because some cards can do it and some cards cannot do it. And then some cards like Nanaki, they can target your enemy uh, units so they can play Igni and such. It's really, yeah, strange. Yeah, I, I, what was I going to say? I already forgot, guys. I'm sorry. I'm a terrible host. There was something I wanted to say in regards to what BJ was playing, but I forgot. Oh, <laughs> I, I honestly forgot. Shame concede now. Shame end the stream. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Um... Oh yeah, I wanted to say that um, consistency is not something that CDPR has been known for in Gwent. Because even if you look at card descriptions, they never match. Yeah. Oh, I, I'm, not yeah. sure they, I'm not sure if they, if they changed it. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's, let's see King oh, Cobra. I, I, King Cobra yeah. says poison an enemy unit. Yeah, I know what you're gonna do. And Fang says give an enemy unit poison. No consistency, guys. <laughs> I mean, uh, so the Cobra can poison your own units in that case, or...? No, it's just enemy unit. But the, oh. the, the text is not consistent, because it's, you know, give an enemy unit poison, and then poison an enemy unit. Oh, and, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah and the okay. description of the card is not consistent. That's really weird, though. Basically, that, like, literally unplayable. Yeah. I think someone on Reddit pointed out, you just need, like a, like, an intern to go through this. Once yep, yep. for the next patch and change all these weird, like super strange and obvious things. I mean, I'm sure people from the community would make a list like this for free, and all you have to do is like maybe double check if it's correct to change. But I guess it's like not on their list of priorities, and then it's just come, gonna get ignored. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, sometimes it feels that way. But actually, to to follow up on this, um, 
we wanted to invite Austria from CDPR to be on this show, right? And uh, like they are too busy, it's not possible. But I was always dreaming of asking him that question, were you in charge of the boosts or damages? <laughs> you don't think he would have gotten salty about it? Yeah, not, not, not sure, not sure. <laughs> but to, to speak about things that are actually nice, uh, Congregate and Firesworn, Archetype, getting yeah. some love, BJ has some experience with the deck. I actually like Syndicate being played again. Me too, me too. Like, Villa also has been playing Syndicate. He has been playing something differently, but I played, yeah, the Congregate deck. I've been really enjoying it, got rank 1 with it. Um, we'll try to get pro rank with it again. It got some love, and it's, it feels very smooth to play that deck. To be fair, um, the leader is the leaderability is way better now. You get the coin after a charge instead of after you used all the charges, so it really goes in line with the Pesaflora, for example, excommunication that you're showing now on the stream. It's more interesting because it's like War Council. The, small uh, requirement you have to do it on the fire sworn you but you have so many of these zealots that you can easily do it um so yeah i've been playing uh, this deck with sacred flame it's been really good like it's 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 like a uh it's like two i mean it's kind of like two strategies right one strategy is about playing Pesaflora and play play blind eye uh, units with blind eye and then you play the other strategy within the deck is by playing a lot of Sealots and then swarm the board and play Talisman. I actually yeah. like how low-key lore-friendly it is. Because you might think, horse and priests, <laughs> it doesn't make sense. But actually in the Witcher books it is said that the Church of the Eternal Fire owns number of brothels in Novigrad. Oh, really? Yeah, it is in one of the stories. I think the one with Dudu. <laughs> so oh. it is actually low-key lore friendly that's so cool actually but i've always liked the theme of of uh firesworn mm-hmm. yeah but what you said that you have like two game plans stitched together yeah it, it is the hybrid gameplay that we've seen a lot like mm-hmm. if you if you look at any given faction you always see that there is mostly some hybrid going it's not like you are going all in on that one archetype you all, you are playing mm-hmm. basically two archetypes mixed together yeah i mean if you go all in on one archetype in in this case the, the swarm with the zealots yeah i don't think it's good enough but if you mix it up you might yeah you you will most likely win more games but yeah, like yeah, it's been it's been like that for a very long time. It's either like playing mid-range decks or like hybrid decks. But that's what I said, right? Uh, with the Bridges of Ophir expansion, they are gonna focus more on the the current archetypes, like uh, current uh, abilities. So that's why you see it slowly getting more love by Cedarbridgecrest. But it's it's a good thing because Syndicate is by default the most difficult faction to play, right? So mm-hmm. I don't mind them getting tier 1 decks. Of course, when, when Bounty was still around, it was a little bit too oppressive. When TJ was around, that was just plain stupid. But other than that, I really like the faction being on top because it is also the most difficult faction to play. And that's actually my next question. Um, Given the previous meta, right? Harmony, tier 1. Do you guys think they should have a look at how difficult certain abilities and, and archetypes are to play? 
Yeah, I I think it's I, I think it's um the ideal that we should strive for that the more difficult archetypes are also the ones that are more rewarding on the higher end of the spectrum. Um I think it 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 shouldn't be so that there are no decks at all that you can play with um <laughs> I was about to say with a bit of a lower IQ. That's a, that's a, that's a bit, uh, <laughs> uh, that you can play without being like uh, super pro at the game and still have some reasonable success uh, so you don't alienate everyone who's um, you know just be a bit more casual but I, I think what it used to be in, in beta was like that things like uh, Novgaard Spies were very well regarded because they were skill intensive to play and then they had very strong output and um, you know just Things like harmony to be completely tier one for eight patches or something that that can get a bit frustrating when you feel like there's players that are less skillful or playing poor like they don't they don't like they they play less optimally than you and then you still get wrecked by forty points uh, easily that does feel bad. It 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 does, but you know back even back in the beta we had decks like that. You know the legendary play both play idiot. Yeah. Or me play bears, me 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 resi bears. Oh, like often enough, those were the Skellig decks that were just very <laughs> very easy to play. Now now yeah, now Skoya is the is the uh, three IQ faction. But can you say that Greatsword deck is also that kind of right now? Similar? Yeah, uh, uh, it requires some 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 thinking. But it they, requires they... you to place the crate sword on the right row, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's still more complicated than harmony, I would say. Yeah, I but mean yeah. that's for sure. I mean harmony is that's just butters sure. points, and yeah. that's it. Yeah, I mean here, I guess you have to make sure you don't play into the torn removal or into locks or disables or poisons at the wrong time. So, I I, I guess with decks like this that go tall themselves here, or like in this way with individual targets that grow tall. You have to kind of think about your opponent's hand a bit, but it's not the most difficult deck that's ever been out there. So, mm -hmm. and this, that's fine, right? You can have simple-minded uh, decks. Not all decks have to be requiring for you to use your brain that much. Mm, the ones that are like the decks that put out the most power, in my opinion, should required you to yeah. actually use your brain it's it's that Gwent like, idea crosser was also talking about yeah. like bj the decks you're talking about should exist but they shouldn't be as powerful as they sometimes are yeah okay fair enough it's like playing a elder bear right you don't <laughs> <laughs> it's not powerful but it also requires you to not use your brain yeah shout out to our friend ace of place <laughs> uh... Guys, I'm not sure how to break it to you, but we've actually gone through all the Gwen, like Gwen specifically related really? questions. There was a lot oh, of them. Oh boy. But there's Good one thing related to Gwen that I want to talk about. And, you know, we talk a lot, a lot about beta and how things change. Uh, Cross Revention Spice, which is something I, I, I always dream of, Spice being back on the menu. Um, Gwen Tap suspending all activity. Isn't it like the last, the last step of the beta isn't it like the the, the you know the, the the nail to the coffin mm -hmm. it's the yeah. final goodbye f in the chat 
that was <laughs> I still remember booting up Quent up every time I opened uh, Beta version of Quent. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, do, the, do you guys remember? I, I actually watched the first ever episode on, of that Lion show. And in that episode, Flake was featured when he wanted to move the deck list from Gwent up and he passed instead. <laughs> do you remember those oh. fuck ups? Oh boy. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't remember, but that's hilarious. Oh yeah, but yeah, Gwent up, it was. The, I think one of the last like, third-party tools that have still been around since beta, because because there was GwenDB that basically said we are not gonna um, work on 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 this thing anymore shortly after Homecoming because most of the um, uh, functions have been implemented in in, in Gwent as a game, but mm-hmm. yeah, Gwent was still being used as as deck builder. Yeah. Most yeah. useful. So it's um, I mean the the one of the core abilities that I have in beta though uh, had kind of al- al- always um, always uh, the stats uh, right? St- yeah, the stats and the the meta reports that it did. You know, just like showing uh, what the Gwent up users were playing and the win rates and stuff. That was very interesting. Yeah, and what cards were mostly included, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was really nice. But they haven't been doing that for ages because obviously yeah, they, there's no there's no tracker to... anymore. Yeah. So yeah, thank you guys for all the Fs in the chat. <laughs> because really, as a beta player, I I I will mm-hmm. I will hold Gwent up close to my heart. Uh, but uh, one thing that we can have to talk about is competitive Gwent. Oh, we yeah, already talked about too. a little bit. We already asked Crozer and Villa if they made it to the qualifiers, which they didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, but man. yeah, is that the ultimate plan to to get to qualifiers and to participate in the open for you guys? Because me and BJ, we we are mimiing. We are not very serious players, I think. Yeah, I mean that's the goal. That's that's at least why I play. I I want to make it to the big time. Uh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for a long time when I started out playing, I would have never dreamed of ever making it to a place like this. Now that I have played for so long, such a long time, and also during the competitive off season, I also played in some tournaments for the Italy thing, and I almost made it. I won one of those qualifying tournaments. So I scored second. Like I, I feel like I've been through a qualifier like this now, at least uh, through the techni- te- uh, technicality of it, or like through the structure of it once. I feel like I, I could have it in me to make it. Just right now, these months that I'm currently finding myself in until May, I don't see myself having enough time to reasonably hope for making it. That being said, there is a chance, a likelihood that when I finish my studies and I start doing my um, teacher's job, because I'm becoming a teacher uh, at a uh, public school in Germany, I might have to stop streaming completely like because of reasons of the law. Because I'll become like a state official, and um, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to show myself in a public space like this uh, when I'm supposed to be teaching kids at high school. And like, oh, wow. set an example. Like, it, it, there's like some weird laws uh, where it might be monkeys. And also, I'm not sure how time is going to look then. So for me right now, what I'm thinking is, what would really um, wrap things up for me and my time that I was able to spend with Gwent. Is if some at some point during this season two, 
I would qualify for one of these tournaments and then I could like find some closure for my whole Gwent career that I could see at least I've made it there once, you know, towards uh, the end of the year. I would really try hard, uh, like starting starting May, basically. I would really try hard and try to get there at least once or get close. That's what my ambitions would be. I mean, that's a really interesting uh, point that you're making. That is actually sad to hear that yes, you are it's... likely not allowed to stream as a teacher because um, a friend of us, uh, What's Up Woody, a fellow streamer, uh, is also a teacher and um, mm. in the UK and it doesn't prevent him from streaming at all. Yeah, it, it depends on um, your position. If I'm just uh, working there on a normal basis, I think they can't so they can't ban me. There's the story. Um, don't want to go overboard too much here, but there was uh, uh, another teacher who was doing his practical teacher's training. There's like this practical part of the university that you do at school to finalize your full teacher's training. And while he was doing that, he was also streaming. And um, I think he was playing Counter-Strike and he used like typical gamer vernacular. He wasn't homophobic. He wasn't like racist or something. He just said like, oh yeah, I'm going to make you my bitch or something like typical gamer talk. Mm -hmm. And then students of his uh, saw that and they didn't like him. So they reported him to the headmaster oh, wow. and the headmaster reported him to the Ministry of Culture and Education. And then they were like, nope, uh, you can't do that as, you know, you're supposed to be a role model. Um, your teacher, teacher, teacher's career is hereby terminated. And that's like, hmm, thinking about this myself, I mean, I like to think I'm not that toxic of a person. Like, I think I could avoid a situation like this, but what if it does happen and I ruin my entire career that way because of something like that, you know? That would be very Monka-esque. So I, I'm not saying uh, there is a certainty that I will have to stop, but there is a chance I might have to stop and I would kind of like to finish strong and go out with a bang in the grand community and not just, you know, dwindle away. Hmm. Well, at least you have a goal to strive um, towards, hmm. to, right? Like you have, you have something to go for. It's not like, oh, I have all this time in the world to do it. There is actually some sort of a deadline, which probably can motivate you even more to reach that goal, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah but assume it's, it is very time consuming, right? Mm -hmm. And you mentioned like you know, with your thesis and stuff. Like, I hope you can do it though. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I remember being in your chat, in your, in your stream, in your chat for the first time, and it was somewhere in your bio. Like, hopefully, I'll make it to open one time. Mm -hmm. I think it's still there. One day. <laughs> I do think you have the quality, uh, like the skills to. Yeah, it's all about the time right now. It's all about time. Yeah, yeah, it's that's that's really it. I think I mean some people like for example, Colomon is so fucking insane at this game. He just like looks at the letter and all of a sudden he's already like I don't know, top ten. Uh he plays such few games and he scores so high. If I was gonna do this, I would have to spend I'm sure he also puts a lot of work into this by the way, but I feel like compared to some other elite players, I would really have to commit a shit ton of time to this game, understanding the meta and analyzing what decks to play perfectly. And uh, then I think I would have a chance, but um, that's the time I don't have right now. So right now I'm still trying. I don't want to fall out of it. Uh, I'm still playing. I want to stream a bit here and there. Um, but like the, 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 the big push uh, has to come a bit later. Mm -hmm. um, speaking of players like Colomon and you know the top of the absolute top 
the World Masters have been announced. Yeah. March 14th, 15th. We are mm -hmm. still waiting on um, the lineup. Your take on, on the announcement. Are you hyped? Because I think that a lot of people are hoping that there's going to be a viewer party. I know that BJ didn't even wait for the announcement. He was like, fuck this. I'm already going to Warsaw. Yeah, I'm like, if they are not going to do it, I will just organize it myself. Everyone is welcome. <laughs> but we will see what's going to happen. Are you guys hyped? It's It's also like a part of the beta closure, right? That's something that has dragged on for two and a half years. Uh, the competitive season one finally comes to an end. I mean, it's been so long. Uh, there had to be an end of it, you know? Yeah, yeah. and because it is, it, it is been such a long time, some people are wondering, are actually all people who um, should be there, are they going to be there? Is Life Coach going to play? Hmm, yeah, <laughs> I'm really wondering. <laughs> like, Life Coach well. has been out of Gwen for a very long time. What has he been doing? I mean, he worked for Riot for a while, right? For, uh, he didn't the work for them. He had a, yeah, he had a, something like uh, an, a type of exclusive contract. I think Lionheart will be much more um, suitable to explain uh, how it worked with uh, Life Coach and, and, and Riot. But yeah, he was not allowed to uh, to stream any of the games. But now he's not streaming at all, so I have really no clue what what's up with him. Yeah, but do you, do you guys think that against all the odds, is, is he going to come back? Because, I mean, if he I is... Like, too hard. Yeah, but let's say he is, even though he's not actively playing Gwent anymore. I think it's still going to be a huge thing for the community. He's going to bring mm -hmm. so many viewers, so many new people into the game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he would really... Yeah, that, that would be a big deal if he were there. Personally, I I think I am gonna keep my hopes low I, yeah. I i don't really see it right now but uh i mean i have no idea what's what's going on in his life if he if he feels invested in this i think last time i saw him talk about this he said himself that he isn't sure this was a long time ago though. yeah like a year ago i think on one of his streams he said that uh he, he it's like a commitment and stuff and he usually keeps them but he just doesn't play the game anymore and that if he did it he would uh come back a bit earlier to like grind the letter and and um do the whole thing justice you know and i'm i haven't heard of anyone spotting life coach i mean maybe he's got an alt account but i i'm hesitant to say that i expect him to see that it's not like he needs the money or anything but yeah he could just do it for the memes right Mm -hmm. Kind of like uh, Super JJ in his last open. Oh yeah, like he just brought a completely out of the meta spy deck to the tournament mm -hmm. for the sake of memes. And then he got got cocked by it. Yeah, because he, uh, I I remember the the play was something involving Cantarella, right? Oh yeah, yeah, he and, to replay a game and, too. and eventually they allowed him to replay the match. Even though mm -hmm. some people said, well, oh, he just yeah. didn't know the rules, the, the new rules, the, the new ability oh, or no. something like that. Yeah, that was, that was cringe. I remember. But do you guys expect anything big to be announced during the Masters? Like, I think we are all waiting for Android, right? Hashtag I mean, Android that's web. the only thing I, re I suppose. They, they might have a showcase match like they did last time with iPhone. Showcase mm -hmm. match. 
Android. Yeah, I'm sure they're mm-hmm. gonna advertise the hell out of Android with Advent. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I also think so. I've, I've been wrong about these predictions so many times, but it would make sense, right, to have Android maybe a new expansion, so you actually hide people for coming in and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, at least give some leaks and hints at what's kind of coming up to, to get people rallied up and, yeah. you know. Yeah, I suppose yeah. talk about next expansion could be a thing. Since it might be a little bit too early yeah. since Slama already said the expansion is quite far away. I think oh, they're yeah. maybe going to drop it in May or something. But they yeah, could I... potentially talk about, you know, things that are happening right now. I, I was hoping April. But... Yeah, me too. You guys are optimists. <laughs> if you, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking, come on, you, you kept having this three to two months rhythm of releasing expansions. Why not? I mean, if you stretch to four months, it's already a bit more substantial. Mm-hmm. And the death stream was beginning of uh, end of January, right? April is kind of far away. I, mm-hmm. I think that would yeah. align with what he said. Is April realistic, though? Because isn't the first tournament of season two in somewhere April? Isn't so... that also March? No, it's in April. Yeah, so with that so basically they would have to, but uh, Villa, it is possible. For example, if they commit to release the expansion at the end of the month, they can do the tournament mid-April. True. Yeah, fair then, enough. And, but... and then maybe during that tournament, hype up the expansion and then release it. Yeah, but I took that to. as if early April. Uh, no, no, you have yeah. to remember. You've been around for long enough to remember that when CDPR says March, it means always mm. March the thirty-first. Yeah. It was last time to... It's always, if, if they say January, it's always going to be the last day of January. That's how they work. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, in September, the, the players also had like only two weeks to prepare for the tournament because of the changes. So I don't see any reason why they would not do it in April. Um, I'm not sure who said that, if it was a viewer in my chat or if it was a fellow streamer, but somebody said... Announce the expansion, like release the expansion on the tournament day. So the first day you are playing the old version of the game, and the second day of the yeah. tournament you are playing the new version of the game. <laughs> what? That's, I think the problem that's... is literally murder the person responsible you, for this decision. You, you cannot do that to the player. Yeah, of course player. you can, oh, but imagine God. them doing that. Oh yeah, they would. I can tell you, they would play through the entire night and have zero sleep just to figure out what deck they should play. Yeah, and, like so taxing. I suppose there should have been some kind of closed PDR in that, in that, at that point if they do that. So they can at least prepare. But, uh... Uh, one, one other person, by the way, who might actually, I heard, might have to uh, have difficulties coming might be Hanachan because of the whole coronavirus thing. Oh, boy. Oh, you're right. There is, there is no flight, for, flight from China, yeah. at least. Some airlines are not doing how, them right now. Yeah, It depends on how things develop uh, until much but mm-hmm. yeah i heard that worst too. case it might be a problem so who will be playing then uh only six out of eight right if i remember correctly isn't casper, casper? i don't know I, maybe, maybe. I, I think it's something along the lines of that mm-hmm. we'll yeah, see i guess i mean if it goes like that then maybe crosser will make an appearance <laughs> like all these, maybe that's the that's the plan here. Okay, this guy this guy is not interested anymore. This guy is sick. This guy has recently recently lost his leg. This guy is in prison. I I feel like there is a scheme somewhere behind the scenes 
Maybe that's why Crozer has been not streaming because he knows he's gonna make an appearance. <laughs> I was a busy potato behind the scenes. Yeah, I was uh, always playing the nice guy, but secretly, no mercy. Speaking of potatoes, I think I think it's a good time to get to the personal Q and A section. Mm-hmm. We've been we've been live for over two hours, guys. It's gonna be another long ah. podcast. Surprisingly, I I see Crozer being bored to death for at least an hour now. <laughs> so I mean, let's get this wrapped up um one thing that we wanted to ask is what is actually the story behind the potato theme of your channel yeah, potato first of all i dropped my potato earlier but i didn't want to seem like a weirdo actually now i found it looking at the floor here it is uh so the potato many people ask me this question um it's not even that easy to give an answer to this because when i started my first stream I knew I wanted a follower sound, and I literally just thought that the mashed potatoes with thick gravy voice line is funny. It was a meme before I became a thing. Um, and so I had that as my follower sound. And then as I was setting up my stream, I was like, I mean, isn't that kind of lame if that sound displays over and over? So I went to uh, my editing program and I uh, changed it around. So the, the first variation of this voice line, because that's kind of where we came from, that followers that follow on my channel here like a potato fight went voice now. Uh, so the, the, the first alteration of the original song was just the other way around, where it said um, thick potatoes with mashed gravy, like nonsense. But like once in a while, it would play that. And then as I was making this voice line, I was hearing, uh, I, was, I was watching a stream in the background, and I heard uh, the dwarven agitators say, wake up, dwarves. Uh, humans lust after a lady folk. And I was like, it would be funny if I say human lust after a thick gravy. And then <laughs> that was the third voice line. And then I was like, well, now I can't stop here, right? So I made like 10 voice lines for the first stream. Um, and then I got live and streamed for a while. And all of a sudden, King Chess hosted me. Uh, and I was completely flabbergasted. I was very nervous early on. I had no idea what was happening. And then people apparently found that funny or cute or whatever. And they kept following. And these potato voice lines kept playing, and people were like, this is hilarious, this is great, they really liked it back then. And so at some point I was just like, welcome to the potato club. Like, it just, it just happened. Like, I didn't think of it, about it. Just, it was just a welcome to the potato club, and then someone was like, so we're the potatoes now? And I was like, yeah, of course, <laughs> we're the potatoes. <laughs> And uh, the rest is history. We got the emote, we got all the potato commands, we got all the potato memes. The potato just, you know, it, it, it evolved, it spread. And overall, what I always like to say is that I never chose the potato. The potato chose me. That's what happened. I really love the potato ambassador badge. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that too. Yeah. And yeah, some, yeah. some of these lines, like mashed potatoes today, thick gravy tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it works. <laughs> Uh, it works with cool. everything. Yeah, it, it's uh, it's uh, the potato is just such a the, the the funny thing is the potato is just so bland and lovable at the same time that you can basically adhere any like or put any value connected with it. It's funny and also just between you and me, it, it makes for really good dick jokes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually love just flipping that potato all the time. Yeah, it's adorable. It's... Just, <laughs> and I really <laughs> thought that's a real potato. <laughs> yeah, you're not alone. <laughs> um, 
we have one more question on the list regarding uh, your personality as a streamer, but I think maybe BJ has found something more in chat. Yes, I got a couple of questions. And if anyone has any questions, feel free to ask me um, those questions. So yeah, there was a question uh, from Alice. Uh, she was actually wondering if there will be a live audience with the Mas World Masters, will you be there? Oh, first of all, Alice uh, did the uh, the whole um, streaming. Uh, what's the word? The, the, the like frame. the border on the cam, the frame, frame, and all oh, the really? cool assets. Yeah, the assets is the word. The streaming assets, the visual assets for uh, yeah, my yeah, channel. Uh, really, really amazing job. Um, she did it for not just for me, for Ch Shimmery as well, and for like Apparel and some other uh, R2 streamers. So shout out to Alice for for all the great work. Um, and uh, so for the question. Same problem as with streaming and playing Gwent right now. Um, I have a master's thesis to write, and I got lots of work to go through with, and I wish I could come, but I think I'll have to pass, sadly. And second issue as well, um, since I keep traveling to South Africa to see Jess, you know, for those of you who don't know in chat, my girlfriend is from the other side of the world. Uh, very expensive girlfriend, because real flights are not cheap <laughs> <laughs> to go there uh, back and forth um, it's not worth it, right? you know um i, I mean i'm i don't want to complain I'm, I'm very happy uh regardless of the distance but uh it means i can't just you know go on additional trips all the time like this one even though germany like hanover warsaw isn't that expensive but it would be another uh dent in in the pocket you know that's mm -hmm. uh so I, I assume gonna... TwitchCon EU is also out of the question. Yeah, but uh, that's literally a few days before I have to hand in my master's thesis, and it's on my birthday. I don't see a problem I there. Already... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I already, wow. already have, have uh, plans for that. But uh, anyone uh, who, who feels like uh, uh, that they're done with uh, the convention, they want to do a short trip to Germany, you're all welcome. Hit me up. We're going to do a barbecue outside. <laughs> and to to follow up on uh, jazz, there was actually a question um, from Voldemar. Oh boy! He's, uh, he's, oh boy! He's Here we go. No, no, no! This is this is not the the the, the question that you would expect from Voldemar, really. Um, he's actually asking uh, you, Crozier, uh, like, can you uh, ask him how dating someone who also plays and streams Gwent affects his motivation to play, stream, and compete in Gwent? Uh, the first part, what is affecting streaming and playing Gwent? Yeah, uh, how dating someone will also oh, how dating. Huh. There is this thing uh, from Game of Thrones that says love is the death of duty. And uh, <laughs> I mean, sure, lots of time that I spend with her uh, playing other games or, you know, just when we are together in real life. I mean, especially when we're together in real life, we want to do lots of things, you know, like go out and and then just do what we can't do when we're far away from each other, mm -hmm. right? Which doesn't include Quent. And so certainly if I, I wouldn't have a girlfriend, I would probably have way more time for Gwent and streaming and all of that. Um, but to be fair, I wouldn't want to have it any other way. Um, the previous relationships that I've been in were very non-gaming related. Uh, and I, to be honest, without going too deep here, I've always felt like I kind of, uh, pretended I was somebody I, I was not. Um, like I had my normie mm. girlfriend, so to speak, and then I was trying to be normie as well, and I had to hide the nerd and gamer aspect quite a bit. And now this is the first time that I actually have somebody who 
accepts me the way I am fully mm -hmm. and like knows me for my nerdiest secrets, which is streaming and how much I play Gwent and stuff, and actually shares these passions with me, right? And it's and that's yeah, something. That's um, yeah, I I wouldn't have it any other way. Very happy this way. Yeah, I mean, because I mean, I think that's all we all are looking for. You know, someone that we can share our uh, our passion with. You know. Someone yeah, someone who could relate to what we do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also, it's not like I never play Gwen because of this, um, because we both love the game and we often play together and hang out in co ops and we help each other out. And we, um, you know, when one person's tilting, the other one's like, oh, maybe you should take a break and like give some emotional uh, help. And, you know, and then is real when the other person needs some reality. And I don't know. It's like, um, I don't think I've become a worse player because of this either. I think, if anything, we help out. But I think it's a great question. And it's... Um, I think yeah. you might spend your time more efficiently now. Because like, if you were in a relationship with somebody who doesn't know about Gwen or who's not mm -hmm. a gamer, you'd always feel the time pressure to just you know finish what you are doing in-game because you have a date or you're doing something. And now you have somebody who can relate to what you're doing. So mm -hmm. you, you can, if you feel like, okay, I can play later, maybe even get some help from, from Jess to, to, to work on a new deck or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's really like um, many of my friends now that uh, they used to know from high school with whom I used to play video games, they're often like, well, there's so much work to do. And then when I get home, there's also the girlfriend you know, to, to spend time with. And for me, lots of my girlfriend time is actually Gwen time, uh, which which is very um, uh, convenient, I guess. Uh, so I can highly recommend if if you value your gaming time a lot, like me, then this is uh, certainly a consideration to find a gamer girlfriend instead of a one that doesn't care. I think I saw it on the t in the DRS Discord. There is actually a platform for for uh, for gamers to date. So. Uh... Guys, if you're lonely, <laughs> what? There <laughs> is somebody posted in the TRS Discord. Oh, it's bro. like Tinder for gamers. I mean, there's a, there's a, there's a Tinder for everyone these days, isn't I mean, it? Oh yeah. How has Joe's just not heard about that? <laughs> <laughs> because BJ probably still has that hope that he can find a girlfriend on Twitch. Yes. <laughs> well. Oh God. <laughs> Okay, this yeah. this has spinned uh, off the tracks quite quickly. So moving back to the things uh, we are supposed to discuss, um, I think Browser has a question. Um, actually, a little bit more related to Gwent. Uh, hiding names on Pro Ladder. Oh yeah. Just quickly Ooh, yeah. Dis discuss this. Bad like, idea. Crosser, Crosser, how are you feel about not knowing you are playing against Jess? Uh, it's relieving. Finally, I don't need to <laughs> let let her win. No, I'm kidding. Uh, she yeah, that's more what often I than not. I was I was genuinely surprised for. <laughs> <laughs> no, she more often than not uh, kicks my ass. To be fair, I'm sure she's gonna watch this bot and be like, "Yeah, he better say that." Uh, now it's it's something that I personally don't enjoy. Um, I think most pros don't like it, and mm -hmm. for me. It's not even the competitive aspect for me. It's really just not having this uh, surge of excitement when you see that you're queuing into someone um, that you know, or that you're afraid of, or that, that you know, oh shit, that, that guy's gonna play degeneracy, and 
it's it's taken away like a small piece of enjoyment that it used to be there and it's no longer there and it just looks plain weird to me that there's no name and no title and no nothing but that's yeah that's just me yeah i mean i feel the same passion uh, when it comes to that like i always enjoy those games when when i know the opponent that i'm playing against compared to the opponents that i don't even know they're just a bunch of randoms so when when i yeah when i when i play against Sandper, for example i just want to win against him and beat him and uh yeah now i cannot see his name when i play on pro rank um, yeah now now Semper will not know who to rage at if he loses against triple c <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> like what is he going to do <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Um, okay, guys, we have one more question on the list because, really, this podcast is getting longer and longer, so let's wrap it up. Uh, how did you get into streaming, Crozer? I know that right. we low-key discussed that before. But I think that yeah. a, lot of peop- a lot of people want to hear that story. All right, all right, okay. You can so bleep I, out the I, names. Yeah. I will have to blip out names because uh, I don't, it's not, no reason here to, to start any drama. But um, the reason why I went into streaming is because I wanted to do a better job than someone that I felt treated me shittily when, they, when, when I was watching their stream. And, um, you know, when I was like, you know, you wouldn't treat me that way uh, if, if I was not just a name in the, in the Twitch channel, but actually an active person in the community. And... Um, as I said, I'm not going to say names, but I was in that channel's uh, stream. Um, and they, uh, like, after, after I beat them in a game. And then they accused me of stream sniping. And honest to God, I've never stream sniped anyone. I never stream sniped this person. And that person went out of their way to say that they actually saw my name in chat during the game, which I, I know by, like, for a fact, because I know if I'm in their stream or not, but that's not true. Uh, so I got quite upset that they called me out for that in front of hundreds of people and they banned me and all these kinds of things. And then when I went to Reddit uh, the same day in the evening, there was a second person who had the same issue with uh, with uh, that streamer. And um, I just like joined in there and uh, kind of ranted and be like, yeah, I, I don't think it's appropriate to like to to call someone out for something like this in front of hundreds of people, especially if you know proof of it actually happened, uh, or like deliberately lie about it, and it's like um, it's uh, humiliating in a way. If you want to be part of a community and your your streamer treats you like shit, because I think personally, I mean, maybe now as a streamer, there's a bit more gravitas to it when I say it now, but just as much as um, people should be respectful to streamers because they're real human beings, I think it's also relevant that you should treat your viewers appropriately because they're also human beings and um, I felt like back then that was not good and I wanted to do a better job and I felt like you know one day I'm going to start streaming and I'll hopefully treat my viewers a bit better I hope my viewers can confirm <laughs> I hope my streamers aren't like toxic streamer uh, I, I, I kind of like to think I, I wasn't that harsh on them um, but yeah, uh, it led to me being banned on that channel, and uh, there's one other channel. I think I can say this. I got banned on Merchant's channel because he saw this Reddit thread and he was like, "I'm a toxic person, ban him." 
Can you oh, imagine man. anyone calling Toxer Crosser Toxic? Toxer. Toxic. <laughs> New name, guys. New name. Nice. I, yeah. I, actually, somebody earlier said that Crosser has played all the Toxic decks since Homecoming. <laughs> so, <That's> Toxer. <laughs> But yeah, and that, that was basically the backdrop. And then finally, um, for a long time, I had very little direct involvement with the with the scene. But I ended up um, working on the Siri, Nova, Olaf, Adrenaline Rush uh, deck with Swim. And, um, you know, the one that was played at Challenger 4, because uh, Swim kind of got me into contact with the Morkies. And Andy won back then. And then uh, I practiced that like a shit ton with them. And like we refined it and got to those final versions that the two were playing. And uh, that was the first time that I felt like I was directly involved in the community. I wasn't streaming at that point at all. Um, and basically, for me, it was like the most exciting thing to see a deck that I worked on so excessively. Like to go to this tournament, surprise everyone, everyone was talking about it. And then it, they actually win with it. That was, I know many people hate this deck. I, I know. I'm aware it's not always fun to play against that, but for me personally, it was a very proud moment that that all worked out. And um, after that, I felt like you know, some people know me in the community at this point, and like I'm having good times with them. Maybe I I should start the whole streaming thing for real. I just finished moving to another apartment, and yeah, then I thought, what should I use for follower sound? And this is where we come mm -hmm. to what we already discussed earlier that's my story that's actually one of the most uh, complicated how did i get into streaming stories <laughs> i've heard because mostly people are just gonna say you know i felt lonely i saw other people doing that so i was like why not or somebody told <laughs> i sound good right yeah yeah something similar like that right yeah like i know that bg just wanted to fill out the the void after repelmer was streaming less and then quit <laughs> i mean I, I did wanted to create my own community at some point so yeah the bj community the bj mansion you're all welcome i'm, I'm still so surprised your discord is not called the glory hall <laughs> <laughs> oh god wow uh, yeah but that's a really really cool story um can we relate? I think I think all of us can. Like I remember being in Weevil's stream not too long ago, and he was like, "Oh yeah, I'm playing as the streamer. I'm gonna go to uh, his chat and say GG afterwards." And I told him, "Not don't do it," because I remember playing against Crocky's one day. Uh, that was in beta. And afterwards, I went to his stream, said GG, and he didn't. He was like, "Yeah, GG, cool." It was a nice game, but his chat instantly accused me of of of, uh, of sniping. Oh, not wow. not the streamer himself, just his chat. So mm. you know, not to, not to avoid dealing with uh, this kind of situations. I I always tell everyone just don't do that. You know, do it after the stream. You know, on Discord or or anywhere else. But don't go to that person's chat and and, and say GG because somebody is instantly gonna accuse you of sniping. Yeah, yeah. I also never do that anymore. Personally, I don't mind if people do it in my stream. I see how. You know, they're still in the middle of the whole thing. You're like emotional about it. And then someone comes in and rubs in. Ah, I won against UDG. I usually do it when I lose. When I lose to someone or something really, really funny happened. Then I go there afterwards and then I'm like, lul. Or like, yeah, you wrecked me. I don't know. Or GG. But I, I see how going there, once you beat them, they probably feel bad about it. It's not always a good idea. 
one mm. time one time i was streaming Gwent and i played i think it was against Sealy. and then i i, I uh, after the match i uh gg'd her and then someone was accusing me of, of stream sniping as well but i was like hey dude i'm streaming myself dude <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's like come on <laughs> actually it does not exclude the option you could yeah, have that's... you could have her stream on the on the <laughs> monitor oh Rip. my god but it, i mean that's, it's, it's very complicated though it does I mean, you, would, you just need a second screen right but imagine messing up and your stream sees are you stream snapping that person <laughs> like you're sharing the wrong window or something <laughs> exposed forever tarnished like your reputation in the dumpster Oh boy! Yeah, it it would be a scandal the size of uh, good analysis KBT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I think knowing the Gwen community, if they have like like evident proof that that happened, um, oh man, I mean, pitchforks and torches. Hmm. Yeah, okay, guys, do we have any down, questions right? for Toxer? No, no more questions in my book. Okay, so I think this is the sellout segment. So where can people find you if they feel the internal need to do so? Yeah, so if you guys want to get more potato action, uh, you want to go to uh, Twitch slash Crozier. I guess I'll be doing this. <laughs> it's been a while since I sold out. Uh, Twitch slash Crozier or uh, Twitter.com uh, slash Crozier1. That's where you'll find me. And uh, I also have a potato Discord. Uh, you'll find that on your own, I think, if you go to my um, to, to any of my officials. And I think that's it. I'm not that uh, uh, much around uh, other platforms, but I will usually stream otherwise uh, around 4 p.m. CET. Hopefully, uh, eventually, five times a week again. That's the dream. Villa. Villa. Uh, yeah, you can find me twitch.tv slash Villa and TSK. Same with Twitter. Uh, yeah, if you're for whatever reason interested in me and the meme fuckery I do, then follow me. And please subscribe to me. I need money. <laughs> Making full use of the sellout segment. Uh, I can tell. I can tell. I mean... People should know me, right? But if people don't know me, then you can also find me on Twitch, on Twitter, um, the, the name Baby Joseph. Um, I also have a Discord. It's called the BJ Mansion. Um, you're all welcome there. And soon to be Glory Hall. Soon to be Glory Hall. <laughs> Please know. And where, where else can you guys find me? I mean, I don't use Instagram much. Oh well, you 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 can figure it out yourselves. Oh my god, I just realized. I hope I'm not cutting you off right now, but I should totally do like a potato Instagram, just not with pictures of myself, but with potatoes, like in holiday scenarios and like <laughs> I don't know. That would be really good. <laughs> you should do it in your oh, yeah. maybe as an alternative to streaming when you are not allowed to stream anymore. <laughs> just keeping the potato man, uh, potato meme alive. Yeah, maybe. BJ is so famous, he doesn't need a promo. <laughs> <laughs> I wish. I wish, though. I crave for fandom. 
Yeah, I still remember when we were doing doing the podcast at like the first episode or something, and BG was like, "To all my fans out there, if you want to see more of me, check the podcast." <laughs> <laughs> I also remember in the first episode there was this pure, and he said, "Who the fuck are these guys, Bebo?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that. That's one of the memes of this podcast. Uh. Um, so yeah, I'm, I don't really have to promote myself. You don't really need to go far to find me because you are in my channel. Um, so I'm going to use this opportunity to promote our social media. Um, so yeah, guys, if you want to stay in touch also off stream, you can follow us on Twitter at Novgrad Podcast. If you want to get access to early announcements, we have a Discord. Um, and all episodes are available on YouTube and Spotify, and all the links are in the chat. Um, this episode will be uploaded onto YouTube and Spotify in a couple of hours. Um, so yeah, guys, thanks for watching. Thanks for being. Thanks for chatting with us, Rosier. Thanks for being our guest today. Really, really appreciate it. And Potato, thank you me. as well. Potato <laughs> made the grand appearance. BJ Villa, thank you guys for co-hosting. Um, we are gonna raid somebody in a moment. So yeah, once again, thanks everyone for watching. And normally we don't do any leaks, but if you want to see uh, Crozer's uh, second half, just stay tuned. The the, the, the the leaks are coming. And yeah, Crozer gave a shout out to Ellis. And if you like Ellis, um, I'm only going to say March the 8th. I think that's enough of a leak. Uh, so you guys, once again, thanks for being here. Guys, thanks for... A nice discussion. See you later. Anytime.